With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 65 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Wednesday? Another hump day? A little bit closer to Christmas. Sleigh bells ringing. It's got the shopping done. I think our doorbell has been ringing like every eight minutes here. Some Amazon package from somewhere. But, um, so I don't know. I try to stay away from the malls these days at Christmas time. If anybody tuned into episode 64, you'll know what I'm talking about. Of course, um, at the end of that, I re- re- revisited my story from a couple of years ago. My, the brawl in the mall story. And, uh, yeah. I'll let you listen to it. I know it's gotten a big reaction on uh, on social media, and I've I've had a few people asking me about it, and it was, uh, yeah. So I, I I know when I when I had my old website and I I initially put that episode up, um, it got a lot of feedback, and uh, I had actually thought I had deleted it, but uh, I found it in the archives, so uh, I decided to throw up the brawl in the mall story, and uh, you know for the the new listeners out there to uh, to check out, but. Um, yeah, Costanza. But, uh, guys, I got a really cool guest for you today. Like I said, Wednesday I try to do an interview show, and I got a good one today. Um, he is former Spokane Chief Mike Haley, who played in the mid-90s with the Chiefs. And uh, great guest, great story. Um, yeah, I want to thank Mike again for sitting down talking. Two hours we talked, and uh, and it's a real and it's a real story, uh, real, uh, you know, per- perseverance. And, uh, you know, uh, faced a lot of tragedy and uh, battled through it and uh, had a solid Western Hockey League career. And, uh, you know, and he walked away from the game on uh, by his own decision, which, uh, as everybody, uh, you know, the players out there listening, um, sometimes that always isn't the case. That isn't always the case. And, uh, and he has since gone on and had... Uh, Married with kids and a successful career, and he's done well for himself. And he has given back to the game, and uh, it was great to sit down and talk with him. And uh, we go about, we go through all of that. And uh, no, he was a great guest. And like I always tell the guys, um, hopefully we can do this again. I'd love to have Mike back on, and we could uh, talk about other things. And uh, no, it, w- it was cool. So uh, no, I'm really happy to be bringing this uh, this interview uh, to you guys. 
but like I said, episode 65, please go back and check out the back catalog. Um, if you're if you're just tuning in for the first time to, uh, you know, because you saw Mike's name come up or Mike uh, told you to give it a listen, thank you very much. Um, but please go back. If you're a Spokane Chief guy, Chris Graff, Josh Mazer, I've had them on. Um, John Morasti, Sean McMorrow, Steve McIntyre, um, Joey Tedarenko, um, you know, all uh, Roman Volpat, you know, lot Clark Wilm, um, Kent Staniforth, on and on. It, like I said, sixty-five episodes. So, um, yeah. So please go back and uh, and uh, check out the back catalog. And you know, of course, uh, also if you you know we're on all the major platforms. So um, if you could rate and review my show, I'd really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Also, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter. Um, if you happen to be a Twitter fo- person, uh, look me up. Um, also, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Um, I have over 2,200 fight videos from from the Western Hockey League, from Haley's Days, uh, and Chris Graff, and Mazer, and all of them, up to the NHL, to every minor league. Uh, just type in the little search engine, everything's sorted. Type in whoever you're looking for, and something will come up. But, uh, yeah, so definitely subscribe to that, and... Yeah, so that way uh, the notifications, as soon as I upload, I'm always, I try to upload some stuff every week, so, you know, as soon as it gets uploaded, you'll know. <clears throat> Another thing I was going to say to the, if you're, say if you listen on Spotify or iTunes or whatever platform you happen to listen uh, to the show on, um, if you could subscribe to the channel, um, that way the moment it gets uploaded, uh, you'll be notified and you'll have it. Because um, it's a lot of times I've talked to a few people and they just wait for me to post the link on Twitter or whatever, and I don't do that until the end of the day sometimes, you know, because I'm at work and blah blah blah. So, but uh, but it's been up for like since the morning. So yeah, if you subscribe to the channel or whatever platform you listen to, um, yeah, boom, as soon as it's uploaded, it'll be right in your uh, right in your downloads. So uh, I would I would recommend doing that, but. Uh, Again, if this is your first time uh, tuning in, thank you. Uh, and I know there's many other podcasts out there to listen to, and uh, the fact that you chose to listen to this one, I greatly appreciate it. Speaking of other podcasts, of course, I said I was on the Hockey Podcast Network. 40, 40 podcasts, different podcasts are on the network. Of course, they're all firing up here with uh, the NHL right around the corner. Um, every team is represented on the network, so whatever uh, team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. And um, also, in terms of original content, there's myself, uh, Brad Lieb, former uh, former pro player, as well as Terry Ryan are on the network. And uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. And uh, like I would say, for my off-network friends uh, podcasts, uh, Alec over at the Five for Fighting podcast just had Frank Littlejohn on. Tremendous interview. Frank, of course, minor league legend. Really enjoyed listening to that. And uh, it's good to see Alec back in the game. Um, he had taken some time off and uh, for, you know, married and moving. And then, unfortunately, got the COVID. And, but he battled through that, and, uh, and he's back. So, uh, yep, he, he put it, like I said, he's been uh, he's a back at her, so it was good to see. And uh, so Frank Littlejohn. And then, of course, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles. Um, he covers the Islanders, kind of an Islander enforcer podcast. And he's had Mick Fakota on, Jason Strudwig, uh, Aaron Asham, Eric Bolton. Uh, Joe does a great job and uh, really goes in depth. And uh, you know, and Joe Joe's been around for so long. And uh, you know, he did, used to write the Bad Boys books and the and the Tough Guy magazines. And if you're an old fight fan, you've read some of Joe's stuff. And uh, or if you traded tapes back in the day, 
Joe was always around, and uh, cause that's how I got to know him. And uh, no, Joe's a good dude, and I definitely recommend checking out his show. His latest episode um, was a General Musings episode, and um, it was interesting. I, I listened to it in the truck today, and uh, one of the topics he talks about is like the old tape trading days, and and um, and just um, and and really the opportunities and the doors that the hobby opened for him and um i found myself really nodding a lot listening and uh yeah sunday i will uh i'm going to expand on that and uh and and talk about my own tape trading uh history um i, I think it's a really important uh topic in terms of a fight history and uh yeah we'll definitely talk about that so like i say every wednesday and sunday are episodes here on this show and um Sunday, I kind of like to do, um, much like what I was saying with Joe just did, kind of a, a general musing show, just, uh, you know, basically it's me uh, staring out the window and yelling about something that either happened in hockey or or telling an old fight story. Like last week, I talked about underrated tough guy, underappreciated tough guys, and and then, uh, you know, Jake Paul versus Evander Kane and all that stuff, and, and just general ramblings, and I'll usually find a topic to talk about, um, when the season's on, I don't usually talk current hockey, but if an incident happened or whatever, um, I'll bring that up. And uh, other than that, I just uh, like I said, it's just a general see where the conversation goes and what I start ranting about. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's every Sunday, and then every Wednesday I like to bring uh, an interview. And um, of course, this week, like I said, we got Mike Haley today. I I interviewed uh, Pete Vandermeer. That'll be next Wednesday. And um, and I have a couple guys here in the bullpen, so trying to stay up on it, trying to stay ahead of the game, and uh, have have some interviews in the can, so to speak, and uh, and uh, you know going into the new year here. So, but yes, Wednesday and Sunday, the fourth line voice episodes. So definitely uh, tune in if you if you can. But uh, yeah, guys. Other than that, um, I should probably kind of keep this relatively short because. Uh, like I said, um, Mike and I kind of really, really, uh, really talk for a long time. I don't know how long it is, two hours and some. Um, so yeah, but other than that, oh, the only other thing I was going to say, if, um, you happen to be in the Lloydminster area and you need tires, Fountain Tire in Lloydminster, owned and operated by Kent Staniforth, former guest and former Western Hockey League tough guy. Kent's a good dude. So if you need winter tires, fixed rim spinners, you want some 24s for your caddy, Kent's your guy. Well, I don't know if he has spinners, but he could probably order you some. So go in, tell him Darren from the 4th Line Voice sent you. I always say that. I don't know what that would get you. It might get you thrown out the back door. I'm not sure. At the very least, ask him about fighting Toporowski while he's putting on your winter tires. But uh, no, in all seriousness, Kent's a great dude, and... Uh, you need the tires, go to Fountain Tire in Lloydminster, Kent's your guy. But, guys, how about we uh, we get into this? And uh, also, it, it's brought up in the interview, and uh, I also want to mention here, um, in all, in, on a serious, we'll be serious here, but uh, yeah, Mike was saying, if anybody out there is listening, I mean, you know, we every, everyone goes through some tough times, and uh, you know sometimes it really hits others harder hard. And uh, you know, with, in terms of a depression issue, or you know, especially you know, well for everybody, but you know, you know, 
ex-players and stuff. I mean, there's been some of these guys have had, had a real tough time, and uh, Mike wanted me to pass on that. Uh, anybody out there listening, yeah, if you're having a tough time and uh, you want somebody to talk to, especially an ex-player that's gone through it, um, drop me a line. I can get you hooked up with Mike. Uh, Mike said to pass on his number and uh, give him a call or a text message, and he was he'll be more than happy to uh, talk with you. And uh, and like I said, it's uh, be somebody that's that's gone through similar things, or you know, in in terms of the in the hockey aspect to you know um, you know away from the game and that type of thing. So um, I, I was uh, Mike would be a great guy to talk to, and he wanted me to uh, reiterate that. I believe we talk about it at the end of the show. Um, sorry, all my interviews run together after a while, so I'm not trying to say I don't, you know, but it, it's I'm just trying to make sure that uh, that that message gets out there. So. Um, if uh, if it isn't mentioned in the inter- in, at the end of the interview, I'm saying it now. So I just want to make sure. So yeah, if you have if anybody out there is having uh, having some issues and they want to talk about it, uh, Mike is more than happy to, and I will be more than happy to point you in that direction. So Mike wanted me to pass that on, but uh, yeah, guys, let's get into it. All right, thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, I will talk to you guys again on Sunday. But uh, in the meantime, here we go. My talk with Mike Haley. Thanks, guys. All right, here we are on the fourth line, boys. My guest out in Alberta, former Lethbridge Hawk, Spokane Chief, Bonneville Pontiac, Mike Haley. Mike, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty good, Darren. How are you doing? I'm very good. Hey, man, thanks for uh, taking the time. No, this is awesome. Like uh, I was talking to a few other of your guests that uh, I've reached out to that were on your show, and uh, it's an awesome opportunity, and I appreciate it all these years later to uh, to tell my, I guess, some of my stories. So I appreciate it. No, absolutely, and uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun, and uh, yeah, there's a few uh, few stories we're going to tell today, and uh, and like I said, we're going to we'll, we'll hear the the career of Mike Haley. Um, First of all, I, well, I got to thank uh, uh, before we even get going. Yeah, former guest uh, Chris Graff, Graffer. I don't want to give Graffer too much credit, but he was the one. I actually he was the one that gave me your phone number and uh, said you got to talk to this guy. He's got good stories, and uh, so I got to thank Graff for this. But uh, of course, I don't know. The episode's not done yet. Maybe I'll be maybe I'll be pissed off at Graff at the end of this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Graf, yeah, Graf, yeah, Grafer is a true beauty and a true legend in, uh, and I guess in the 1990s era of uh, WHL hockey, because everyone, like, um, I've heard you speak about it, and I know numerous people. I've even shared it. Like, if you don't have an opportunity, like, go on to YouTube and look up Chris Graf, and he's got a six-part fight series, and it'll blow your mind, like how tough this kid was and the great brawls he had. Absolutely, yeah. No, Graffer, he was a I like busting his balls, but he was he was a great guest. And yeah, back in the day, man, he was a tough dude for sure, and uh, and a lot of fun to hang out. Good dude, good guy, and uh, absolutely. YouTube, check it out, Chris Graff, and uh, you won't be disappointed. But we'll, we won't talk about this yet. But I can tell you, if you type in Mike Haley on YouTube, there's a certain video that won't disappoint you either. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. First of all. Where did you grow up? Uh, where did you grow up, and where where did you play your minor hockey? So uh, I grew up in a little town, I guess, uh, just east of Lethbridge, called Tabor, Alberta. So those of you who've heard of Tabor, I guess uh, it's famous for the Tabor corn. So I don't yep. know if it gets all the way out to Saskatchewan, but oh uh, yeah. So I grew up in a little I grew up in a little farming community there, uh, around ten thousand people 
yeah, it's pretty tough place to grow up as a kid. There's, uh, you know, the minor hockey. There was a lot of uh, tough players that kind of went through that through that that uh, community um, at the time. I guess in the mid '90s, um, I had an opportunity. You know, I had a, there was a local guy there who was a scout for the Spokane Chiefs. Actually, he ended up being he was one of the AAA coaches in Lethbridge. So I got to give a lot of thanks to to this individual. I want to give him a little shout out, a little plug here. It'd be Perry Shockey. So Perry Shockey, he coached the AAA midget team in Lethbridge, and he was also a scout for Spokane. And actually, went on to be an assistant coach in Spokane under Mike Babcock when I got down there. So Perry was uh, he, he was really big on me. Um, I was a big big player, um, real physical, and uh, believe it or not, I did have some skill back in the day. So I was. We could score a lot of goals. I'd run people over. Um, I'm very proud of that. Spent a lot of time in the penalty box. <laughs> so yeah, so so Perry was a big uh, thing. Uh, you know, he he really promoted me and, and, and really wanted me to to get to the bigger center and meeting Lethbridge to uh, just to see how I would do. So he reached out to my parents uh, numerous times, and 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 due to a few circumstances. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just start off by saying a little bit. Like, I come from uh, my family. I was very fortunate to have two dads and two moms. So what happened uh, at an early age, my uh, my parents, my biological dad and my my mother had uh, two kids by the time, basically, they were 21 years old. So within saying that, uh, things happened, and, uh, you know, their their relationship uh, didn't uh, work out. But uh, I, I like to look at it, put a positive spin on it. It was all for the best because I was able to uh, get another dad, another mom in my life. So both my parents, and within the next five to ten years, they both got remarried. Um, so I was raised by my stepfather, awesome man. I got a lot of good morals from him growing up, as well as a lot of input from my, my biological father who was living up in the Edmonton area. And he got remarried as well. So like I said, the moms and the dads, so we made it all work. So... And the best part about that was, I guess, everyone got along. So you hear this now with, you know, broke, broken homes and families. People get divorced. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And uh, it was all the good for me. So um, parents made the decision. A uh, lot of lot of pressure from Perry Shockey to get me to go up and try out uh, the first-year Bantam for the, it'd be called the Lethbridge of Alamadi Audi Golden Hawks. Very successful, tough, tough program. A lot of strong players come through there. And uh, end up going up there and making it my first year. Yeah, like I was, uh, I was checking out the roster there, and yeah, I mean, there was some, uh, yeah, like you said, there's some strong names on that list. Um, you know, Kyle McLaren and uh, uh, oh, geez, uh, as I say that now, I forget. Oh, uh, their names are escaping me right now. I'm having a mental. Oh, 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 oh I was about to speak about it. So, 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 so that first year I go up there, very tough, big, strong team. So, and actually there was two, two players on that team that were listed, I guess, that year, drafted by, uh, well, I guess only one of them at the time, but we, there's two of us and three of us ended up in Spokane. Well, I guess we'll get to that. But, um, there was a guy by the name of Sean Gillum. And if you guys know Sean Gillum, he was a def- WHL defenseman of the year. I, uh, you know, yep. I might need your help on this one, Darren. Shall be 1996. 95 around there, so Gilly was the defenseman of the year. So he was tough as shit. You go up to the camp, and this was old-school hockey. Like, our coaches were just drill sergeants, tough as shit. Um, it's amazing the stuff that they probably got away with as that parents let slide. It was unbelievable, the regime that they put us through. And 
well, this worked us, worked us, and yeah. So we're going up against guys like Gilly. Uh, Jay Burke was on that team. Yep. So Burke, he had a very, he was a killer in the WHL. There's another guy, uh, very, very tough, uh, actually a good friend of mine. We stayed in contact all these years later, and he actually uh, went on and um, played some baseball at a college level, and now he's uh, he's got his master's degrees in sports psychology. Tough as shit. Like to give a shout out to Ryan Ginter. Um, he was he was tough as, as nails too, going up there as an out of towner, and these these guys would just pound us, pound us, like I said, living shit out of us that first year, and uh, yeah, it was quite an experience for a tryout, anyways, as a kid coming from a small town and just looking for a chance. No, absolutely. Like you said, this is the best. See, I'm, I'm messing up because I'm. I was looking at your text with the leading scorers. This is what's messing me up. It was that it was the names on the scoring list: Henry Cooster and Saint yeah. Martin and all them. That was, uh, yeah. But um, but Kyle McLaren, so, you did so, you did play with, right? Yeah. So 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 this this is my first year. So we had a very, um, we took on a, you know obviously a few first year Bantams, me me included. You're only allowed each year at that time. Right, this is before the days of any of the hockey academies or any other thing like the Bantam AAA League in Saskatchewan, uh, Alberta, and BC. Like that was the top, the cream of the cream. Like that, that's where it was at. So, yep. I'm very fortunate. I was one of the five kids selected to, to come from out of town to play on this team, and uh, yeah, we ended up going on. We won provincials or that year. So what a what a thing! We were winners. Like we just got our asses worked so hard by these coaches. We were winners, one provincials. We ended up losing in the Western Canadian Finals that year. And it was hosted in Red Deer. It was the first year that the Centrium opened up, so where the Red Deer Rebels play. I remember we, we played there before the WHL team even started. Great experience. And I remember, uh, I still to this day, I remember we're all sitting there, um, of course, there in the dressing room next to us, and you hear, uh, we are the champions. It's playing. Of course, we're all balling like babies, a bunch of 14-year-old uh boys at the time right not knowing you know thinking that someone's you know that this was it it was all over yeah so you know those go on a uh, few few players right uh, they they went on to the whl a 16 year old off that team and the rest of us came back and uh once again we, we made a run for it so kyle mclaren he came from another small town so the next year he was one of the ones that uh he came in just a beast so we, we come in our second year and we were tough and the whole league was tough and that's where you go into that uh that top score thing that i i sent you there it was uh that was a tough team like there was like like that spruce grove team we ended up playing them so we made it all the way back to the provincial final again we ended up playing spruce grove in the final so that was the henry coosters yep st martin's they had darren van owen on that team yep uh, and someone else is on there. Of course, he didn't make uh, the leading score list, but there was a killer on that team by the name of Rocky Thompson was on that team. So even back then, tough as nails. I remember when we ended up winning that, and we uh, got an opportunity to go to uh, your neck of the woods. We ended up going to North Battleford, playing uh, the Western Canadians, and we were the Alberta team again. So, like, you know, what a rare opportunity. You think about that now. I was trying to even tell these stories to, to my son and some of the his teammates that uh, you know to win provincials two years in a row. You don't even realize it till years later, like how how good we were and how tough we were. So we end up rolling into North Battleford, and we were on a mission. We were driven from a team that that you know lost the year before, and we we come out guns ablaze. I remember, I think we played North Battleford the first 
game. And, of course, there was a lot of hype around our team, and uh, there was a lot of interest. And the place was just full of scouts, I remember. And uh, there was kids running around. I remember Kyle McLaren just set the tone right away. So you got to think, at 15 years old, I think he was six foot six, six five. I don't even know what his – have to look him up in his hockey DB there. But he was just a killer. Like, he set the tone right away. He said, like, right away, we, we didn't even care. Like, we'd go out. If someone was running around, someone would just cross-check the kid right in the face. Knock him out. I remember the kid running around. McLaren went up to him, cross-checked him right in the face. You know, there's four minutes, and we were so good, we'd just kill it off. Wouldn't even think anything of it. The teams were so scared of us. It was unbelievable. And then uh, we ended up going to the final, and oddly enough, we ended up playing the same team that beat us the year before. It was a team from Manitoba again. From, I think it was the Winnipeg uh Hawks, again, now it's pretty good AAA uh, program there. I think to this day they're still pretty successful out there. And we ended up meeting those guys again in the final, and we just steamrolled them. We just pumped them. 6-7-1, I think, in the final. And we got our ring. There you go. Well, and like you said at that time, like it's such a successful program, and, uh, you know, and playing with such, uh, like, like, just talent like that at a young age. Um, yeah, so it's like... And well, and like you said, with the scoring thing, you had sent, um, you know, they're, they're Michael Haley. There you are, uh, you know, what thirty-two games? You had thirty-six points, but you also had the most penalty minutes on this list with one hundred and forty-six. Now, of course, this is bantam, so I mean, we're not talking popping lids and throwing punches at center ice or no. anything. But were you? That, that's that's what that, that was zero zero fights. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, in bantam and stuff, were you always like a, a physical guy? Like, did you always enjoy the contact? I, I I did, and then like I said, uh, uh, away from the rink, you know, I'm pretty mild tempered unless someone pisses me off, right? I'm, you know, I wasn't, I guess, oh, you know, I'd I, I good size me, but I was, pre- I was pretty lean, right? So I'm back then, I was probably six one, six feet tall, maybe 140 pounds, but yeah, just just had it in me. I just I just love to finish checks, and I just, I just love that aspect of the game. I just it, that's what really got me going enough. And I was able to play with so many good players and play that style of game, and I was able to put up points as well. Well, and I mean, we've alluded to this list a few times here. It's just the scoring. Yeah, so old Henry Cooster there, and then uh, just going down the list, you know, yeah, a bunch of WHL guys. Smoking Joe Bouvier there, Darren Van Owen, <laughs> yeah. Shane Willis, uh, yeah. oh. Brad Romachuk, Blair St. Martin, Jeff Ainsworth. Yeah, I mean... And, and, and you look at the guys' the list on there, the guys that I played with. So I played on the line with, I think he's number two in scoring, by the guy Chad Mosco, yep. Brad Mahalko. Yep. So Chad, Chad Mosco, he ended up having, uh, I believe he got into some health issues before uh, you know his crack at the WHL there. But he, he was Kamloops' first pick. Now, this is the same year of Jerome McGinley. All that, if you look at that Bantam draft, but, like, Chad Mosco was an absolute sniper. And then I played with uh, Brad Mahalko. So Brad Mahalko, same thing. He was a small-town kid, too. He went on and played a lot of junior, played a little pro as well. And he was tough as shit. And the three of us, just we just lighted up that second year. It was unbelievable. Now, where did you go? Did you go in the Bantam draft? No. So, uh, yeah, I didn't. So, I yeah. Was... So I should... Yeah, so, so we should probably talk, um, talk about this. So, uh, so the Bantam draft rolls around. I ended up not going, getting picked. I mean, I thought I was having, uh, you know, doing very well. As you can see, I was leading in, you know, I was, you know, on the, on the leaderboard for scoring, a um, lot of penalty minutes. And, you know, for whatever reason, I, yeah, I wasn't, 
I wasn't getting picked. And uh, what happened was uh, at the end of the year when uh, the WHL teams, the junior teams, uh, they're able to drop their 20-year-olds off the list. Uh, I believe, I don't know the one that, when that all happened. I don't know the exact timing, but I was able to go. They call it the overage draft. I don't know if they still have it that way in the WHL, but so anyways, that automatically a team has three spots when the w, when the twenty year olds are dropped off the list. So then right away Spokane gobbled me up, and uh, they're obviously very fortunate for that. Of course, the uh, so you're fifteen. Um, you know when you had the big when you guys win the provincials and everything. Um, you you had an interesting you you got invited to a, a Team Canada camp. We were. We were talking yeah. about this. Oh, uh, yeah. This, this is, is an interesting story, story yeah. here. Yeah, you got to hear. Tell the yeah, people this one. Yeah. Yeah, so end up, so after my first year, Bantam, so we, we went on there. And 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 for the, uh, you listeners out there, you all know, so if you're part of a winning program, you're a winner. People want winners, right? So that's what I, I preach to some of the kids that I, I work with or coach or help with now. If you're a winner, people want you. So I was part of a winning program. So I get invited to... I guess back then it was, you know, part of the, it is part of the journey to become uh, for the world junior team, right? So it starts off, you have your U16 camp, and back then, uh, I believe now they do more of uh, like a provincial cups now, like your team Saskatchewan, Alberta, but back then it was a very tough, tough team to make. It was Team Pacific. So it was the best players from Alberta and BC, and they get together and they pick a team, and, I, and this is the start of the process. So I go to this camp. And we're, it was actually held in Calgary at the, and we ended up getting dormed out at the, at the U of A. It's all run through Hockey Alberta, you know, and uh, with Hockey Canada. So there's the brass from Team Canada there. There's uh, Dave King. We all, a lot of you people, I guess some of your listeners are, uh, you know, they're all around our age. So everyone knows who Dave King was. He was big at Hockey Canada, coaching the NHL, numerous teams. So he was the, kind of the headliner, the guy running all the, on ice stuff uh, with a bunch of skilled guys from Hockey Canada. So I ended up getting up there, and it was about a week-long camp, and I was doing fairly good. And for whatever reason, neither here or there, I guess boys will be boys, but I was kind of, you know, I had a few of my other teammates there, but, you know, some of those guys, they, they kind of gelled. We were on the same team. They kind of mixed us up in four teams, kind of like the junior teams too. And I kind of got left out, didn't really know a bunch of people. And to make a long story short, I kind of was uh, – yeah, you don't want to use the word getting bullied, but I was up there and maybe not fitting in with some of the some of the kids, and there was a couple of guys just riding me, picking on me, working me, the same shit, and ends up coming to be, it was kind of a tournament style. So time we got to the last day, uh, my team ended up in the finals with with a couple of the fellas. Like I said, I was having a run-in more at the dorm than anything, nothing on the ice at the dorm this whole week. So we get out on the ice, we're playing the game, you look up, I remember my mom was there. My mom took me to this. They look up in the stand. They're skating around. This, like, this is the biggest crowd that I've ever played against, right? As a kid, you're looking up. The place is full. And, I mean, there are scouts from everywhere. And then, you know, you look for your mom, and you're skating around doing all that. I don't remember what period it was in, but it comes to be uh, me and that's an individual, and I guess I'll mention his name, <laughs> Caleb Poth is his name. So those of you know, Caleb Poth, he's a tough guy, played in Prince Albert, ended his WHL career in Lethbridge, and actually went on to be a Hall of Famer, I believe, in lacrosse. Yep. That was, you know, tough as shit. So anyways, me and him, like I said, had to run him during the week, and uh, basically I had enough. So I don't know what happened, and I don't know, I was just kind of that player. I just, when I snapped, I snapped. So 
he just said something to me off the draw, and I just said, do you want to fucking go? I remember I was 15 years old, and basically I just had enough, and basically he just we just dropped our shit, and we squared off right at the, one of the, it was actually right down where all the scouts were. That wasn't planned. It was just one of those things I, when I, I finally snapped, and I, for whatever reason, we had a good one, and I actually, I beat the shit out of him. Like, I, I remember I felt good. I was able to rip his helmet off before he even got mine off. So here he is. He's teeing off on my helmet. We got full cages on. His hands are a mess, and I ended up getting his helmet off, and I just fucking pummeled him. Got a few good ones in, and so we get kicked off. Of course, the motions are running high. I'm like, oh, my God. I get remember getting back to the dressing room. I'm just adrenaline's going. I'm tearing up a bit. I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? Oh, boy. And I remember him down the hall. We kind of just looked at each other, and, you know, you know, you know we, we kept it professional, nothing more. And then I remember all the brats came in, and, and then Dave King was there, and he came down. And, and I don't know if he met with my mom or, or how it all went, but basically we got kicked out of the camp. It was the last day, and then he uh, he, he alluded to that we were disgraced. We were disgraced to hockey and Hockey Canada, and we were asked to basically leave the fucking arena. So I remember getting in the back of the car. I didn't even sit in the front of the car. I remember just driving home. My mom just looking in the rearview mirror, looking at me like, what the fuck did you just do? But I mean, you know, the, everything leading up to it, I kind of, I think I might have phoned her during the week. So I was kind of having a, a, a hard time or struggling a bit with it. So whatever, she kind of understood and, and it is what it is. And then, and, and oddly enough, the next year, we both uh, had very good years. That nuts going into our second year band, and we won everything. We both had to it. We both had to write big apology letters to Hockey Canada, and we ended up both getting invited back the second year. And after that that year, I ended up. Fin- I was. Um, I remember some of the scouts were telling me I was ranked second out of the whole camp my second year. Just I thought that was my rating when I when I left the second year, and then now uh, then I had a serious serious injury. I pretty much almost ended my hockey career training incident so wow well, yeah like so uh yeah you had to write a letter of apollo oh my god right okay okay dave calm down like it's just a fight yeah, yeah. i know yeah, it's exactly it, right now i was gonna say i know year, uh, years later my dad played actually like old timers hockey with dave king and it was like even then they went to some tournament and dave king wanted to have a curfew it was like an old timers tournament. It was like, oh my god, like who is this guy? Like seriously, he said nice guy and everything, but like just way too. Yeah, like stick up his he, ass. Uh, Calm down, Dave. Whatever. He, but uh, like looking back on it, that was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, not knowing at the time. So so after that that fight, uh, Spokane had me. So I guess the scouts were just buzzing like crazy. I found out later because uh, one of the scouts who was there or one of the coaches and GMs that was there at the time actually went on to become one of my coaches, which was Mike Babcock. So I remember Babs coming up to me and just like, holy fuck, you don't realize the buzz that you created. Like, so it actually got me on the board. That that got me on the board. So here I go. I'm now, you know, 15 years old, um, very successful year. Um, They're telling me, right, I'm going to play at 16. All good in Spokane. Um, undrafted player, so that, that was a big thing, right? So out of all the draft picks, you know, I, I, I never got drafted. Went in the overage draft, and you know, and Brian Maxwell was a coach at the time. Obviously, he was there, saw it, loved it. Like fuck, and here I am, a Lethbridge kid, just like he is. Uh, he's from that area as well, so just loved it. Everything's going uh, great for me. So I go to my first camp at 15. You know, coming off the high of this fight, 
And all of a sudden I go in there thinking that every fight's going to be, I'm going to be as successful as I was in this one. So I don't know what I was thinking or, you know, just, I had no idea. So I get to camp, here we are, you know, you're playing with 20 year olds, you know, 17, even, even guys a year older than you, vets, guys that have been there that have already pounded the pavement, you know, they've been doing this for a while. Well, right away I'm there, I got the cage on because I'm only 15. Here I am fucking squaring off. First game. I remember I get down there squaring off and I just got pummeled. I don't, I, I don't, you know, obviously know who I fought, but I just got the, the beats put to me. I remember that went on. I think I had three or four more fights at that, uh, that camp. I ended up getting called in, uh, speaking with Brian Maxwell and Tim Speltz, the GM at the time, said, hey, I had an awesome camp. They appreciate my efforts, but obviously you're 15 years old. you got to go back and play uh, Major Banton one more year and, uh, you know, keep plugging away. We'll, 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 we'll keep in contact. Keep your, uh, keep your head up. So anyways, I go home, you know, start trying out for my Bantam team again and all that, start playing with the boys. All of a sudden, uh, I don't know how it all came. My parents got a phone call from uh, Spokane. Ends up like, hey, we're all of our exhibition games are in Alberta and BC, and they want to pick me up to go with them for these games. So I'm like, holy shit, 15 years old, now here I am getting an opportunity now to play with like the real team. So there was no, I couldn't, you know, I mean, right now I think you can only play eight league games. I don't know if that's still a rule, do you know? I, like uh, as a, I believe so, yeah, yeah. As a fifth, you know, but for exhibition, I don't think there there was anything, right? So I still remember, so I'm getting picked up, and I remember uh, I get thrown in a room. I think I'm, I don't, I don't know who else, I just remember one of the guys was Kevin Sawyer. So I was a 15-year-old, and I think Sawyer might have been there a year. And, and, I, and this was back in the day when you had those real fucking cheesy silk shirts, like back in the early 90s when silk first came out. And I remember I didn't wear an undershirt. I pitted out so bad. I'll never forget that. Here I am, so embarrassed. Don't have a jacket. I'm just leaking. So nervous on the bus going to this fucking exhibition game. Here I am with the big boys. And uh, I still remember this. I get there. And uh, it took a little bit before I got a shift, right? All of a sudden, there's fucking fight. Then another fight. We're, we're playing the Lethbridge Hurricanes, and we're playing a little in a little smaller town just outside of Lethbridge. There was a fight. Well, pretty soon I'm getting more and more ice time. Here I am. I got the Spokane helmet all pumped, but I have to wear a full bubble. So here they have the fucking eye tech on this thing. So here I am. So everyone knows who I am. So pretty soon you're lining up with a 20-year-old guy who's, you know, who's just looking at you like a really kid. And uh, so there's more and more fights. So I ends up getting more and more ice time. And I remember like, holy fuck, should I fight? Do I not fight? And all the players, I think we were, we were I, I can't even remember. I remember we were winning. Though. We were beating Lathbridge. So, I mean, all the boys just wanted to fucking fight because you got kicked out back in an exhibition. So everyone's gone. Pretty much end up being, I think we had five or six forwards. Not even, I think we only had five forwards. Not even enough for two lines. And we had 3D for the third period. And pretty much Max, he's like, no one else can take a, get in a fight. That's how we talked, right? I remember, still remember this. It was crazy. And I fucking, I was on the ice for much the whole third period of that first game ever in the dub as a 15-year-old with my eye tech. <laughs> was, Valor, was Valerie Burry playing? No, I think he, uh, he might have been gone to a camp. Yeah. He, he was part of the team, but I don't, he wasn't playing then. I don't know. I think that's when all of the the guys, like I said, a lot of it was all new to me. But, yeah, he was part of the team, Maxim, Betts. Uh, I don't know if Caber was there, but all those guys were all gone to their NHL camps, right? So it was all the guys fighting for the remaining spots that were part of this exhibition run there. So, yeah, it was crazy. 
what an experience to looking back on it. And then I remember I got a couple more games in. I actually got a game in at Lethbridge. And I remember the whole team, that my Bantam team was able to watch me play. And it was pretty good. And I think I, I ended up getting one, it was just in one fight. and got kicked out. I had to get, get one in for the boys while they're all watching. Some guy ripped my eye tech off and probably gave me a few good ones. But <laughs> but at that point, uh, yeah, so, you, I mean, you get to play the exhibition series. Like, at that, uh, like, how was your confidence at that point? Were you like, yeah, I could, I could, I think I could do this? Or were you like, oh, get me the hell out of here? Oh. No, no, I was on a, no, it was good. I was on a high. Like I said, it was just, I wasn't scared. I remember I, I was, you know, you're smaller, but you got that, you know, it's almost, you almost have that force field, right? You had that, I had the eye tech on and, and maybe I skipped this part. I just remember lining up, like I said, against that one of those twenty-year-old guys. This guy, I don't even remember his name. I I couldn't even tell you. I'd have to look it up. If he, even if I wouldn't even know, but I didn't know if he was part of the team. If he, I remember he had the long mullet. He was missing teeth. And I remember looking up off the face-off, and I was just shaking. I was looking right at him, and he just looks at me and goes, "Don't you ever fucking look at me again." Puck drops, cross check, boom, down I go. I'm like, I remember just you know coming to him like, "Okay, here we go. Hold on." <laughs> Ah <laughs> uh, yes, the joys of junior hockey in the nineties. Yeah. Um, well, like you said, so you're 15, so you, you you come back and uh, you know after after the run there with the with the camp and feeling pretty good about yourself and okay, we're gonna have a big year. And uh, unfortunately, you uh, you got injured. Uh, what happened there? So I end up uh, coming home for the obviously, you know home to off season we just ended up winning the western canadian finals you know we got the big rings you know best team in canada all this stuff you know on a high life's good going to spokane as a 16 year old which you know i was confident i was going to make it especially the way i played it you know if i went in there i had a little bit of skill but i knew if i get in a couple fights like fuck max would have been all over that so as a 16 year old you know and i was pretty much they were telling my parents i was going you know barring that if i went there and shit the bed but you know i was quite confident had a really good second uh, Bantam Triple A uh, season there, like made you know top score, led the league in penalty minutes. You know life's good. So get home. I end up going out with a bunch of my buddies. We end up going to play a ball hockey game. So here we are playing right for I was around when it was right in the middle of summer, just doing training, I was running, and you know we we're working out a bit. And end up going to play ball hockey, and I was in a league, and I end up kind of getting run by. By, uh, from behind by a guy and uh, end up ramming my, my kneecap off the boards in the arena. End up shattering my kneecap in four pieces. So I got pins going everywhere and figure eights with wires. But the technology back then probably wasn't how it is now. So I end up having to miss my my entire 16-year-old season, which uh, so I had to miss the whole year. So I end up uh, still staying in Lethbridge. Um the uh, the band or the major triple A team agreed to take me. You know, I I, I ended up I felt bad. I ended up uh, taking a roster spot away from somebody because they had to have me carded. I ended up taking a roster spot away from somebody, and they actually kept me on the roster, hoping that I could play. I end up maybe playing a couple games, but I just couldn't do it. I just never got any strength back, and the, the knee was just horrible. So I didn't I didn't know where my hockey career uh, sat after that. Um, didn't have much communication with Spokane at all that year. Uh, reach out to Perry Shockey every now and again, and he tell my parents, "No, they still got you on the list. They're going to give you a shot. You know, come back next year." And so I end up, I end up going back. So I guess if you want to, I guess we can go to that. So that's pretty much my 16 year old year. It was a write off, didn't play. 
Spurs are going to be done. Yeah, like I was going to ask, like mentally at that point, like that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow right there. Like, how are you feeling mentally at this point? Oh, yeah, just, just, just defeated. Um, you know, personally as a, as a hockey player, but that this is just the, the brinks of, of of my story now. Like once yeah. I tell you the next part of of how how things happened uh, for my family, it's just crazy that it's able to continue on actually playing the game. So. So that's you know that 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 whole year that's that's kind of a write off. So come this summer, uh, going into my I guess it would be my my seventeen year old year, um, training like a bugger. I remember riding lots of bike. Uh, I had a lot of friends that are pretty active in uh, the mountain bike scene, cross country mountain biking. So doing lots of hill climbing, doing all that. Just because the knee, I couldn't really run that much. Trying to do you know a bunch of strength training, weights and. All that good stuff, and trying to find ice. Like back then, there was just no nowhere to find ice. Uh, so I ended up coming up to Edmonton, where I kind of go back to where I started my story here, and I ended up staying with my dad, who uh, lives up in this area, in Edmonton area, and that's where I met the old mighty Chris Graff. So yeah. we're playing uh, some, we're playing some shinny, and and uh, end up meeting them there, just just out of nowhere, and you know, I was playing a lot of, lot of. Uh, Chinny with Graffer, and actually he was a dangler back in the day, which is kind of funny. We both were. So anyways, I do all that, and then I go home, and uh, this is very end of July. Uh, my brother, an older brother, he ended up, he was living in the Edmonton area as well. Uh, he ended up coming down to visit uh, myself and my, my mom and, and my stepdad and, and Tabor, so we came down, I remember, uh, might have been like July 26th, 27th i still remember the date obviously these years later uh we end up going out one evening so i remember having a good talk he's like he was pretty excited for me oh you're gonna go to spokane this year remember him telling me you're gonna do uh great things and you know it was awesome so pretty pumped having a good conversation i got my brother he was really pulling for me and you know knowing what the injury i had so we decided to go out that night and uh you know, just kind of one last time before I headed off to camp, and I was heading out to camp at uh, very beginning of August, the middle of August. I think they had the first camp down in Spokane there, so we ended up heading out, and uh, we got into uh, uh, an accident, and uh, with a couple of good good friends of mine, we ended up getting in uh, an automobile accident, and uh, he ended up passing away at the at the scene of that accident. Uh, I had some friends. This is back in. The, before we had cell phones, so I and my brother he ended up dying in my arms. Uh, it was a very, very traumatic thing. So they went for help, and we couldn't get help quick enough. And uh, my brother ended up passing away. And uh, so very, very hard on my family uh, at the time. Hard on myself, you know, coming off the injury. Now here I end up losing one of my best friends, my brother. And then here I am. Okay, let's load it. Let's load up in a car. Not even knowing that we don't know as a family or or anything, or even Spokane as an organization probably never went with this. And here comes Mike Haley's uh, debut in Spokane, Head, leaving home at, uh, you know, my brother was maybe buried. We had him in the ground a couple of weeks, and here we are as a family loading up, and I'm going to make a run. I'm going to make a run for this now to, to go on to be a hockey player and just leaving my family behind. And just, just crazy. I can't even fathom or imagine doing that to uh, – one of my kids now, and it wasn't not that it was. It was my choice to do it. They, my parents knew how much I wanted it, or whatever, and we had a couple discussions, and and I, yeah, we loaded up, and away I went. 
Yeah, man. Well, that's uh, yeah. Like I said, we had uh, uh, yeah. That's a, that's 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 heavy, man. That's a lot of baggage. And I'm uh, like I said while well, we were talking about it earlier. I'm sorry, but I'm very sorry to hear about your brother. That's uh, that's tough. And uh, but yeah, I mean, like you said, with everything that's gone on with your injury, first of all, and then of course, then this. I mean, that's you know the the double shot there. I mean, uh, yeah. So I mean, you have a lot of stuff on you when you show up into Spokane, and I mean. And then now you have Babcock there, who I mean, at this point you don't even know because you had Maxwell before. Yeah. Now you got a new coach, yeah. and who's this guy? And uh, were they uh, obviously they were aware of your situation? Did they know about your situation? Yeah, they, they, they did. Um, uh, uh, yeah, they knew Perry Shockey ended up being down there as well. Like I said, I keep going back to oh, yeah, good old yeah. shocks there. Yeah. He, he ended up being down there. So, and then actually two of my former teammates. So now. Uh, Jay Birch just recently he got traded to Spokane from Lethbridge, and then Sean Gillimore down there. So here I am, you know, two guys that I've won with before. I remember I show up day one. I remember we're being a, I was even a little late. So put all this on top of it. Something happened. We ended up being late. Uh, I was down with my with my with my dad and my mom, and we ended up showing up. We got a little late, and I remember it was good. I remember uh, it was a beat test. That's where you go to a tennis court and you got to do all these sprints. And here I am limping, trying to compete with the boys. And there's a train wreck, head not all in it, right? Just coming off this and this emotional drive down. Here you are leaving, you know, leaving home, going to a whole new country, going through the border, doing all that stuff, trying to process everything. And I remember Babcock came up to me and, and, uh, he's like, Hey, hey, Hales, uh, heard what happened. Same thing. Sorry. Throw your loss. He goes, you're going to take a serious run at this. He goes, and then that's where I go back to that Dave King story. He's like, I was at that game in Calgary. Holy fuck. I was so excited that when I was looking at going to the roster and I accepted this job here and I come across your name, it was just like this, you know. So he was really pulling for me, and, and he was a pretty emotional guy as well. He ended up, I remember, he's, 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 he lost his mother at an early age as well. So we kind of had a few chats about that. And, and then I remember Jay Birch and Sean Gillum coming up to me and having some, you know, good conversations. And, you know, it was good. And so they were able to let some of the other teammates kind of know who I was and what I was about. And then some of them I knew from the year before, just playing those exhibition games. Some of the boys, they, they remembered me. So it, it was good. Everyone was really, really, uh, really good. And, you know, they embraced me and made me like one of the boys there right away. Well, yeah, and uh, so, like you said, so it's 94-95. Um, overall, well, I was going to say, how was your camp? You, obviously, your camp was good because you made the team, but, I mean, um, wh- what was that uh, What was that like? I mean, like you said, you have all this going on, and, uh, uh, of course, well, we're going to get to the crazy <laughs> video here, but uh, um, overall, how was, like, so you walk in, I mean, you got Padolan and Brian McCabe and Jeremy Stasiak and all these guys there, and of course, uh, old Sawyer the Destroyer, Kevin Sawyer's still there, yeah. and, uh, I mean, how, how was everybody, and how was that, uh, the initial camp and the, and the run there, and the exhibition? Oh, it, oh, it was brutal, it was, it was, a, it was a brawl, right, so all the boys knew me, but actually, you know, a lot of people gave me the respect, so I went around, I was, trying to fly my game. So I was a guy who very, uh, like I said, had a few tilts before all this young age. So I knew what to expect, but also I had to change my game, right? I just, my leg, my wheel was so bad. Like I was limping around. Like just imagine I had four giant like screws drilled into each corner of my kneecap and, and there was double figure eighted. So every time I'd bend, every stride I took, it fucking killed me. It just killed me where I just like fighting through that limping around 
I remember I was scoring goals still. I had a, a few fights. I remember I, I fought Kevin Sawyer. Like, Sawyer gave me a fight. And then come the, I remember after the, after the game, I was talking to him. He was all pissed off. And I kind of went up to apologize and said, oh, I hope I didn't do anything wrong. Basically, Mr. Sawyer, because he was such, such a killer. He's like, no, no, Hales. And he's the one that kind of taught me. And he actually, you know, uh, and, and Graffer alludes to this a little bit too. So when Sawyer fought me, he, he switched to a lefty. He was a righty, but he switched to a lefty for that fight just to work on his own skill to add so he could further his development with fighting and knowing that he didn't want to kick the living shit out of me, which I totally respect, but me not knowing it. So I, I, I remember I popped him with a couple. I got a couple in there. I'm like, holy shit, I'm doing pretty good, but comes to find, find out after that you know he's fucking fighting me as a lefty and he's a righty, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't stray from... Uh, what he, you know, what, what he was committing to at that camp when, when he knew there was guys that he was going to kick their ass, you fight him left-handed. It's an unbelievable story. <laughs> well, just uh, <laughs> just to keep going on Sawyer, I mean, everybody, obviously everyone listening knows Kevin Sawyer. He went on to play pro hockey and played in the NHL for a while and, and the minors. And, and, and I mean, ex- <clears throat> extremely tough dude, fought everybody. Um, how was he that year? Like, was he, uh, did you guys, did you work a lot with him? Did he show you a lot of stuff? Yeah. So I ended up actually getting paired. So at the beginning of the year, I guess he was kind of finding his, his way. Cause I think Kevin Sawyer, like, I think he was a rookie, like at 19 years old. Like he's got a crazy story as well. Like his journey to make it to the NHL is awesome. Like yeah. unbelievable. So he was a rookie. So his second year, right. The Babcock's first year, he's 20, he's tough, but you know, he's going to a role where maybe he's not going to play a lot. So actually I was, I, I played with him in the exhibition season. He was left wing um, and a good, and my roommate, awesome guy. And like I said, I, could, I couldn't live with a, an officer human being. And I think Spokane probably doing it, knowing my situation, paired me up to live with uh, this man, uh, Darren Sinclair. So he was per property of the Vancouver Canucks. So he was in that, actually that one brawl that we're going to, we're going to get to here. Talk about he, uh, I ended up, playing uh, my first part of the exhibition and first part of the season with those two guys until obviously they started getting a little better, more skill and they're a little older. They got more of an opportunity to, to move up in the lineup. But yeah, working with Sawyer was just awesome. Like he taught me how to fight. Um, you know, I was probably not as big as him, but he told me a lot, a lot of technique. It's so much technique goes in a lot of these fighting that, uh, that people don't realize it's not all just, chuck them it's a lot of technique if you're a bigger guy like myself no absolutely um now so you get there and like you said with your knee and everything you had to sort of change your game you're you know obviously you're fighting a little more and you're checking um or i guess hitting was always part of your game but you know what i mean you're you're kind of taking on that yeah, grind oh yeah. that grinder type role that at any time did like babcock ever come up to you and was kind of like because i know graph alluded to this it's funny, like we were saying with Graf, but I mean, in Bantam and stuff, you know, Graf was dangling, right? He was like second leading scorer in Bantam or whatever. And like, he yeah. he tells the story of Babcock saying like, I'm surprised you're fighting. We kind of thought we were getting a goal scorer here. Like, you know, did did he sort of, did Babcock sort of say that to you too? Like, we thought you'd score more or did he say anything mm-hmm. to you? No, no, he, uh, it, it's weird. It's just like, it kind of, I guess that first year it was more or less uh, I made my I made a name for myself, I guess, with uh, with the WHL group. You know, at that early age when I went to that Team Canada camp, where you know they knew I could chuck them. Um, they knew all the emotions and struggle I was having with you know individually with my brother just passing and just trying to navigate through that. Where it was kind of like I was on my own my own path. 
knowing that, you know, like, I mean, I, like I started off, like I couldn't keep up for the longest time with some of these players, just with my leg being so bad. I just continue to work at it and get stronger and stronger. And so, yeah, so I wouldn't say bad, but you'd never say go out and fight, but he'd, he'd give you the nudge or, or, uh, and just knowing, right. If you're down at the end of the game, you want to send a mess message to the next team, you know, all that stuff that teams did back then. Yeah, yeah, I was part of that. Well, I mean, as a player, you have a feel for that too. After a while, like I mean, yeah. you know, you don't need to be told. You know, it's like, yeah, they no. they know. You know, looking back on it now, this is you know, I, we'll just go. I just to do this, but looking back on it, you just take yourself back and say that you're viewing Mike Haley at at 17 in this in this camp and in these exhibition games on one bad wheel, and he's kind of checking and fighting a little bit. But would you have kept you? And knowing everything that you've gone through, do you think you should have been sent home for another for a year of AAA, or do you think them keeping you? Were you surprised when they kept you? Put it that way. Uh, I was a little surprised at the beginning, but honestly, I started getting a little traction in camp, a little confidence, and like I said, personally, I mean, I was going through like the, the struggles emotionally and, and physically with the injury, but just being part of a, a team and being around the boys, it, it actually really helped the emotional side of it, and you know, great leaders had Brian McCabe down there and, you know, all these guys that, you know, they, they, they put their time in and just amazing human beings where I've learned by looking back on it, the life skills I've learned from staying and not going home, I, I could trade it for the world. Yeah. And, uh, well, obviously you said you're, li- how you're, did you have the same billets all three years? No. So, uh, my first year I ended up living at the, uh, by the family up there, Rick and Sandy Woodhall. Never forget them to the day I die. Amazing, amazing people. And I lived there with uh, Darren Sinclair. And like I said, Darren Sinclair, he uh, he uh, wore his heart on his sleeve, hard nose, great player. But anything that come off the ice, you know, a lot of the funner activities, Darren didn't, uh, he, he didn't partake in a lot of those things that the boys were going out all the time. And so I, I, I think, I think, they probably put me there on purpose. Um, I would think like he's a great, and he actually, he, he's probably saved me from maybe dabbling into a few things that I probably shouldn't, shouldn't have my first year, just out of, just out of my own pure guilt of, you know, that's my roomie and he's staying home that I probably should stay home and maybe not break curfew. And so, I mean, I, I think Spokane, if there's one thing that they, they did right, you know, on, on, on that is to put me living with Darren. Yeah. Yeah, and they. Um, oh, I like. Were you going to school or were you done? At, were you done? No, no, I was. I was going to school. I was in. I I got there, grade eleven. So, yeah, going to school, doing that part of the school group, and getting up off these crazy road trips, and you know, getting home sometimes not even sleeping, going right to school, pounding the books, and and it is what it is. It's all part of it. Like looking back on it, it's like it just helps you so much later on in life when it comes to to working and just having that routine. No, absolutely. Like you said, and you know, so you, you got a lot of stuff going on, and uh, but uh, you know, we're we'll, we'll go forward here in terms of the playing. <clears throat> now, okay, <laughs> this video made the round. See, this is funny now that I know the backstory of this. But at the time, my friend Chris sent me this video, and like like I said, everybody listening to the show, you guys all know I'm a big fight nerd with all my DVDs and all this stuff. Well, my friends and I, we, we, we thought we had all the WHL stuff that's out there available. We thought we had it all. Well, my friend Chris sends me this link from YouTube, 
you got to see this. Have you ever seen this before? And it's a preseason brawl between Spokane and Seattle. And some poor bastard for Seattle gets hauled underneath the stands and gets the beats put to him by Kevin Sawyer and some number 22 guy that we later found out was Mike Haley. So, and we're, uh, this picture clear, and it's from game tape. So we're like, where did this come from? And we look at the YouTube channels, and it's some middle-aged, like, real estate lady. It's like, why does she have this on there? Like, we're thinking, maybe she married an ex-player, or I don't know. How did she get this footage? No one had seen this. So it went around, we put it on Twitter, and everybody's like, holy shit, you got to see this. And we all watched this, thought it was so awesome. Now, I've come to find out about this footage. We got This is a great story. You got to tell this story. Tell. Let's, so, let's start here. Here we go. So I, I guess I, I guess what do you want to start with the whole brawl, how it all happened, to to how the the tape was locked away for so many years, to yes, yes. to 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 the realtor posting it. So I'll start off with the brawl. So yeah. here we are. Like most of you watching, I think you punch in. 1994-1995, Spokane Chiefs versus Seattle Thunderbirds, and this, this fight will pull up, and it was my roommate. You'll see his nice, smiley face there in Sinclair. And you have to watch to the very end, because I've probably I've heard over, you know, that people have watched the beginning thinking it's all that, and then all of a sudden it's the very end of it. It's what a two-minute clip, three-minute clip, and it'll, it's probably the best fight I think ever recorded so it starts off with kevin sawyer like that if you watch the very first hit like i, I can watch that all day long like Ke- that is the that is the most fiercest hit i've ever seen in hockey he come wheeling around fucking full speed ahead and he just i don't know who he ran over but he and else he just crushed this guy and all of a sudden right shit just happens yep. giant line brawl um seattle they had a fucking killer team like lloyd shaw's out there You'll see later on in that video, he, he, he KOs me. I don't even see it coming. He just suck, well, I'd say he suckered me. It was the craziest shit ever. He just fucking laid me out and I get back up. And anyways, the fight goes on and we end up in the penalty box. I remember it was Jezalowski. I guess that was the, I think he played in Spokane for a bit before I got there. there yeah. There's a history there with him and, him and Sawyer anyway. They did not like each other. Oh really? And I remember okay. I still yeah, I still remember to this day. Oh maybe they're friends now at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I remember uh I remember being in the box and, and Sawyer just yelling, He's gonna fucking kill you, Jazz, I'm gonna fucking kill you. I'm gonna kill you and I'm, and I'm yelling at my roommate, Hey Sinks, keep your head up, keep your head up, hold on, you know, we're kinda coaching them all along and back you know, not even know you don't even know if you look at it, it's not even glass around the penalty box. All of a sudden the fight Kind of goes down. So Jezelowski and Sinclair, they're the last pairing in the line brawl to finish off their fight. The rest of us are in the box or kind of holding each other and off. I'm in the penalty box with Kevin Sawyer. Jezelowski just finishes his fight with Sinclair. Gets up. Sawyer beats something to him. Jezelowski beats something back. He skates over to the penalty box. If you even put that fight in slow motion, Sawyer hit them so hard, it knocked him out. You can see he was out cold. So he punched him from inside the penalty box to the outside, knocked him out, and all of a sudden mayhem happened. So then there's players from their team skating over. We're just throwing bombs from inside the penalty box, outside the box, and all of a sudden one of their players fucking falls, comes through the door. The door, the guy running the gate didn't shut the door, and he comes into our box. And holy shit, looking back on it or watching this tape, we just 
shit kicked him. We threw, I don't know how many bombs we're throwing. We're throwing, and at one part at the very end of the fight, you can if you watch very closely. Uh, you'll see Babcock grab my arm. He's trying to hold. I remember. Was, I remember him saying, "Hail, hail, stop, stop, stop!" And I'm just like, "Fuck!" You know what I mean? Here I am. You know all the shit I've just spoke about. I'm this is all this emotions are going through my head. My injury. You know, all this stuff, emotions lost to my brother. I'm just like, fuck, here's, I don't know, whatever reason, I just had a little bit of rage. I could take, take some of my frustrations out on someone's head or face. So, fuck, away we went and just feeding this guy. And I remember we end up, if you watch, like, my right skate, it hits, hits the concrete, sparks are flying, and then some of their players come behind the bench. It's amazing there wasn't a bench-clearing brawl. Like, that was so crazy. But Seattle did a good job holding their team back. We did a good team, our job, I guess, our coaches keeping our players in the bench and the rest of us that were involved in the fight were fucking brawling now behind the players in penalty box on the concrete underneath the bleachers, underneath the stands in the old Spokane bar. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, well, yeah, because you and Sawyer, old Hall number 11, who I think, what did we say his name was? It was like Sandback or something, I believe we came Yeah, Sandback. Rob, Rob, no, yeah, yeah, Sandback, yeah. Yeah, so we, you, you and, you would, well, first of all, Lloyd Shaw comes flying over the box and drills you. You kind of go out of, yeah. you go out of, out of sight for a while, but then you get back up. You pull this Sandrock guy into the penalty box and underneath the stands, and you and Sawyer just proceed. You can just see the fists. Like, looks like both of you are starting a lawnmower, and you're just giving it to this guy. <laughs> poor, poor bastard. And the thing that we couldn't oh. believe that we were all laughing at, and like Lloyd Shaw's a tough dude, like one of the toughest guys in the league. He just sort of oh, stands oh, there. I, I couldn't believe he didn't come into the underneath the stands like to help his teammate. He just sort of stands on the ice and watches. We're like, Lloyd, what are you doing? Like, I couldn't believe he didn't get in there. But well, looking probably- back on it and, and, and the fights I had with him later on, you know, throughout in my career and his career, it's a good thing because he was by far one of the top three toughest guys I ever fought. Yeah, fuck, he's he tough. He yeah. was so tough. So I was like, yeah, I, you know, you look back on it, and you made that comment, and I watched. I'm like, fuck, probably the best thing that ever happened to me is him just fucking doing what he did out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we couldn't get over that. Like, we're like, where did this put it? And, like, everybody's like, holy shit. So, I mean, first of all, it like, well, that wouldn't happen today. But if that happened today, you guys would all be oh. in jail or something. I don't know. You, you'd never so, see ice again. So, so, so what I got out of that is, so if you, when you, you listeners watch this fight, I end up getting fucking a two-game suspension. And I think the teams, each, they each got a $15,000 fine. That was it. And then, so what happened was, of course, uh, we played that before practice. Like, that was the game tape. Like, we won that game. Going into the regular season, that was the last, that was the last exhibition season of the 94-95 season. And holy fuck, we're on a high... Like we like we're we're just pumping we we are beating the shit out of everyone on the scoreboard that year and and we were a young team and just and, and fight we had a good tough team and uh, I remember we played that and I remember I got hauled into Tim Stoltz's office with Babcock with Sawyer and we're just talking about it hey you know more more or less about the media relationship the media talks to you guys kind of just give us some coaching how to how to handle this right because. Back then, there's no cell phones, there's no footage, and there was just this one copy. I don't even know if Seattle had a copy of it, of this tape. So we played this tape a couple times. Well, Olsen is in the dressing room. It's around this VCR, and I'm seeing it. So after a big meeting with the management, with Babcock and Spelty, I see this tape here one day. I'm like, fuck it. I'm stealing this fucking tape. 
So I ended up stealing the tape out of the VCR, you know, out of our video thing. And I just fucking put it in my jacket one day and, you know, wrong thing to do, you know. But anyways, it had to be done. So I ended up stealing this tape. And, uh, and luckily the league already seen the fight, like the, the CHL. Even. We got all the way up to the CHL level and the WHL level. And I remember uh, David Branch, who I think, what is he now, the commissioner of the CHL, the guy that hates all the fighting. Yep. He fucking... He called. He called back. This is this. This is. I. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a proud moment. I love it. But he called back, and Smelty and Babs were laughing about this. He calls back, and he he knew who Sawyer was, obviously from the year before, years before, and, and he's like, "Who's this twenty-two? This Haley?" And they're like, kind of saying, "Oh, you know, small town kid. You know, had this injury. Is going through this emotional thing. You know, lost a brother." And, and he's just like, "Where the fuck did you guys find this kid?" <laughs> so it's kind of fun it's kind of funny couldn't believe it like where the fuck would they have found me right and all of a sudden you know not knowing the whole backstory about me but anyways it's kind of a proud moment here you got the commissioner of the CHL asking like and I came you know I mean I was just fucking hiding under a log somewhere out in the bush I'm just some <laughs> kind of a brawler or something but <laughs> so I ended up having this tape of course we all got hauled in team meeting who has the fucking tape who has the tape this tape tank it leaked the can't be leaked. Who has the tape? One of you fuckers has the tape, right? Gone and on and on. We heard about it. And I kept, I didn't tell him. My roommate didn't even know I had the tape. I kept the tape and I said I put it away and I had that tape all these years. And uh, long behold, I guess there's just been some chatter uh, lately. You know, a lot of different podcasts going around and a few different people. And I guess this, this fight's come up. Like, whatever happened, you know, talking about this legendary fight that no one's ever there's got to be a tape for it. And I'll, all of a sudden, they all got kind of back to me through, through different players. And I remember uh, Jason Bedolin, he lately had been looking for this fight. And Sawyer's been uh, looking for it. I think he's the color guy for the Winnipeg Jets now, Kevin Sawyer. So a yep. lot, lot of buzz about this, this tape. Where the fuck's this tape? So the realtor that posts that is a, a good friend of mine and my wife's and our, our boys play hockey together. And, of course, she had a YouTube channel all set up and over a few cocktails one night and a good friend of mine, Tammy, I said, so, Tammy, here you go. Can you post this fucking fight? So that's the, the middle-aged realtor that uh, posts the tape, a good, a good friend of mine. So here she's getting all, now she's getting all this traction of who the hell is this realtor with this crazy fight? There, see, see, folks, that's what I always tell you on this show. You never know where this footage is going to pop up. Yeah, people have these old VHS tapes put away. But here, oh, I was going to say the statute of limitations has got to be up now. But uh, there you go. The, 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 uh, the mystery has been solved of the lost uh, game tape. Of, uh, so, Haley, Haley so, took it all along. Yeah, so I stole it all along. Then they let none of the boys know. Now I've been sharing it with some of the players that I'm still in contact, right? I've, I've sent them the link to it. And they're like, oh, my God, there's fucking all the boys are pumped now, all the former players. You know, 20-some years later, we're all... Should we show our kids this? Should we show our kids that? You know, everyone's got player kids playing now, and yeah. it's kind of fucking funny. Funny. Yeah. Well, I got, so that I is said, the story I, about the. Well, I was I was saying that was uh, well, and I could tell you that I know the the boys love seeing their old tilts. I know that for sure. That that's uh, that's actually how I built my YouTube channel was putting old videos up for these guys to watch, and uh, you know you can relive some uh, some glory days from twenty years ago. But and I, and like you said, and share going on, and of course sharing it with their kids now is uh, you know they they can actually see uh, see dad when he was eighteen kicking ass, you know, and. Uh, 
You know, because sometimes I think the kids don't believe it. They hear the stories and roll their eyes. Sure, Dad, whatever you say. But here it is, video proof. Yeah, and then, you know, speaking of that now and how much the game has changed, and I guess, you know, we can go on for hours and debate how the game's changed, but the message that I tell some of the, you know, younger players and stuff like that, uh, you know, go go watch something like that or, or you know, speak to some of the former players and – and especially my son, like my son, right? I'm in contact, and I have still a lot of former players I speak with, and someone went on to have some pretty good careers that he gets to sit around where we have a beer and listen to our stories. And, and a message back to him is, like, you have nothing to be fucking scared of anymore. Like, there is nothing to be scared of out there anymore. Sure, the game's faster, this and that, but you're faster too. Like, everyone's faster, but these kids, they have nothing to be fucking afraid of anymore no. when it comes to the shit like that. Imagine... You know, I couldn't imagine my son being in the penalty box and that shit happening to him. Like, they have nothing to be scared of no. when it comes to hockey anymore. No, and that, and that's the thing, right? And, like, I was, we, you know, I've talked about it on this show with other people and in my other solo episodes, you know. It, like you said, we could argue all day if that's better or worse. I mean, I think everyone knows the camp that I'm in, but, I mean, you know, is that good or bad? Eh, you know, it depends what, how you look at it. But at, uh, at nonetheless, it is different. And uh, But, yeah, just kind of going on that first year, um, you know, you, you played uh, you play in uh, 55 games. Uh, you had 11 points, 117 minutes, um, you know, and just uh, kind of going around the league. And some of the guys you played with, like you mentioned, Jason Padolan, of course, he was your leading scorer. And then, uh, you know, everybody knows Brian McCabe um, that went on, of course, had an excellent NHL career. And um, what were those two guys like? And, uh, and, and spending the, the, you know, as a young guy, spend the time around them. Cause like you said, even at 17 and 16, 17 years old to look at a guy 19 or 20 at that time seems like they seem like, light years older than you like they seem like they're middle age at that point you know but they're really it's like two years difference but i mean how was it being around those guys and like especially the skill that they had and and just uh you got any stories with those guys yeah absolutely i'll i'll, I'll start off with caber kelly played with caber the one year and then he got traded in our second year when uh brandon was going to make a run for the memorial cup because he was going to the show anyway so spokane made a, a big trade and we traded Brian McCabe away. And that was all part of the Ty Jones era, I think coming to Spokane. Yep. So Brian, Brian McCabe, uh, awesome guy, great leader. Uh, I guess one thing I'll never forget is like back then it, it's a way bigger thing now when it comes to diet, you know, with players. I remember back then we, it was all about bulking up like a bunch of us were skinnier guys, myself, Hugh Hamilton, you know, he was, you know, awesome player. He's from, you know, Saskatoon area. Yep. And he, uh, I remember me and Hammy came to camp, and we're we're tall, skinny. So right away, the fucking team's feeding us creatine. Eat this, eat all this garbage. Well, I remember I ended up kind of getting. It just was I wasn't comfortable in my body. It was just like I was bloated all the time, and just and I mean, but that, but that's just how the game was, right? Uh, the NHL was only drafting big, big players, and so we're doing that. So the one who I'm going to the story with Brian McCabe is I remember we'd go out to eat. Um, we always had Saturday night games or, or Friday night games or whatever it was in Tri Cities, and we always go. If we won, we got to go to Red Robin after. And I remember all of us eating a big greasy double Red Robin burger and the fries, loving it. And fucking Caber would get a chicken burger, plain, a piece of chicken, on two buns, and he, a lot of times he'd only eat you know one of the buns, you know shit that people do now, 
nothing. He was all about his diet back then. So he was just ultra focused. He was driven, um, had a plan. You know, his diet was a big part of it, his training and all that. And like so intense at practice, uh, not afraid to, uh, you know, go toe to toe with anyone at practice. He, he fought a lot of his, you know, a lot of us players at practice. And like I said, by far the best went on, you know, that first year. I remember he got to go play world juniors. And him coming back, giving those experience, passing those down to us young guys, and just opportunity and and the, the you know the players that he got to play with, like those ninety five or ninety what the hell was that ninety five ninety six? I think he played two years. Those World Junior teams were just unreal with the Tuckers, the Dones, and you know tons yeah. of great people. Yep. But one, uh, I guess, story. One of the best stories, I guess, when it comes to Caber is I'll talk. about we're on our Eastern Swing. So that's that brutal trip you always hear about Spokane to Brandon and, and then up, up all the way up to through Saskatchewan, up to PA and then back to Medicine Hat, then home. It's just a brutal, brutal, so hard on you. You know, as a kid, you try and do schoolwork, ride this bus. But I remember we ended up doing a team building function. It was in Regina one night. So I think we were, we were doing fairly good on the swing. I couldn't give you the stats now, but I mean, we're, we're winning. So I mean, everyone's in a good mood. So we kind of did a team builder and, they rented a banquet room and we kind of had our own dinner that night. And I guess we all got together and kind of went around table talking about, you know, you know, you know, some of the stuff you're thankful for, maybe it's your families or, or whatever. I just remember it was my turn to talk and for whatever reason, everything, everything kind of flared up that night for me. Just, you know, the emotions going through with my injury to mostly with my brother and stuff. I really had a hard time that night just, I really wanted to thank the guys, how good they were to me, you know, with what I was going through. And I got real emotional that night. I remember I, I broke down pretty good talking in front of the group there and actually sh- I, I sh- shed a few tears there and just very, very emotional night. And I was just very thankful to where I was and how good the guys were all to me. And I remember getting on the bus the next day um, where we, after a game, we're coming back. And I remember and, and back then, right, being a rookie, you heard the stories, rookies are at the front of the bus, you're doubled up. We're on the bus, you know, 10 hours in between these cities, and you're doubled up with someone on a bus where the vets are in the back in their own seat. And I remember there was a, a seat, and uh, one of the guys, I don't know what happened, got injured or something. There was a seat, and uh, Caber called back, and he, he invited me back that, and he sat down with me and put his arm around me and had a really good heart-to-heart. And, and then he really introduced me into uh, how you can put half a tin of Copenhagen in your mouth at once and have a real chew. <laughs> As a, so I remember me and Caver pretty much as oh biggest chew ever. I just threw this big old wad back there, and I remember I was just and I you know I chewed a bit with the boys, but I wasn't a big chewer. And I remember you know you have no choice. Here Brian McCabe bites you back. You're at the back of the bus with the vets, and everyone's chewing, and they all got their spitters out, you know, because they're the men, and you're the boys at the front. And they fucking throws the, the you know the can of copia at me. I got no choice. Do this big three finger pinch and throw this big dip of copia in there sitting back there and he's just it was awesome he's asking all about my family and and uh you know told me all about his family and his, kind of his his journey in hockey and all that and that's a something i'll never forget like what a good character a move that was on himself right just to reach out to uh maybe a player in need or something and it really helped me calm me down for the for the rest of that year and and uh the rest of my my career there in spokane so yeah, well, then, like you said, it's no, uh, it's no, uh, no wonder that you know. Of course, the the success that he had at the pro level, and uh, you know, um, yeah, dude had a hell of a career. 
for sure. Um, well, I mean, I guess, it's... Uh, oh, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, sorry, and I was just going to speak about Podby a little bit. Yeah. So, and the thing with uh, with Padolan, ultra high, high, high skill. Like, this guy was sick, man. He had he was so good and uh, just a hell of a guy, too. Like I said, he's a guy that... I mean, you go, you go to a party, he never treated anyone like a rookie or an outsider. Like, Pod, he, he loved to have a, a good time away from the rink as well, and he included everyone. And, you know, and some of these guys, they all had their NHL deals already, and then they had, they had a little bit of money in the bank. So, you know, I mean, it was, they'd buy the beers for the for us guys that were struggling along getting our 90 bucks a week or whatever we were getting. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just an ultra guy, and even even to this day, like, he, he, he stayed true to who he was. But, I mean, I remember coming in that first year, there was no – no, uh, he didn't treat anyone like a rookie or just all about, you know, just embracing everybody and, and making you better. Yeah. Well, like I said, he had, you know, he went on, had the pro career and, uh, uh, yeah, for a long time and, uh, you know, second round pick there by Florida. And yeah, but, uh, yeah, well, and like you said, and then going, yeah, a couple sacks too. Yeah, Jeremy Stasiak and, uh, you know, and then and like you said, Jay Birch and uh, and uh, uh, Boschman and those guys. Yeah, you guys had a tough team. Um, but uh, going around the WHL at that time, of course, one of the teams that you played a lot, and uh, you know, was uh, a, well, they were a dynasty of junior hockey at that time. Was Kamloops, and uh, I'm going to just throw out some names for the listeners out there in, in the '94 team with Kamloops. Yeah, Darcy Tucker, Nat Domichelli, Shane Doan, Tyson Nash, Jason Strudwick, oh, and then some guy named Aginla. You know, it's like, are you kidding? Like, that's on one team? Like, what was it like rolling into Kamloops and playing those guys? Oh, brutal. And then they just opened up their new arena, so that's in Spokane. We kind of got our new arena, too, in, in the 95 season, after 94 and 95. But, I mean, they, they opened up their arena the year before. Same thing, rolling in there, you're just getting pummeled. And it, it, but the weird thing was about it, Darren, is we, uh, our team, like that year, um, and I guess we'd have to do some research on it, but for whatever reason, we had great games against Kamloops. So, so how skilled they were, they hated playing us. Because we were a bunch of guys that had zero expectations. We were in a rebuilding mode. That's full was a rebuilding. Right? They had some good character guys, but let's, let's just face it, right? The team was built, you know, for the, you know, the next two years out going into, you know, pushing for the Memorial Cup in 99 there. So they're really building this team with the younger guys. And so there was a lot. We had a young team, tough team, and we went in there and played those guys tough. But that song they play, they play taking care of business every time they score. Even to this day, I hear that song on the radio. Like, I got to change it. I fucking can't stand it. Because <laughs> I heard it so many times, and their ring just getting lit up by those guys. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, and another, and then, and another right dude that they had on that team that you would see for the rest of your WHL career – uh, probably one of the biggest, biggest dudes in the league, and of course he went on to play pro forever. And one of the tough bad dude man was Rob Skurlock. I don't, I don't even know that like he he had to get a custom helmet made. He <laughs> had the biggest head and the, and the biggest hands. Like you know, like this, I don't know if you player, if you guys want to look him up, but he is, he is, yeah, he was tough. I don't think I fought him though. I never, I don't think I got an opportunity to fight him. Just. I mean, he never ever had that squared off, but uh, he fought a lot of guys on our team, and uh, he was he was tough. He he was tough. He was intimidating. Yeah. Well, this is not a Kamloops team, of course. It, you know, it, it Tucker and Dom McKelly at that that this year the '94 team with the leading scorers. Um, 
What was it like, like playing against Tucker? Was he like, you know, I mean, everyone's seen the NHL stuff with, you know, and running his mouth and kind of dirty and chippy oh. and stuff, and and then of course Doan and Aginla. Somebody, the grapher was saying Aginla would actually do a lot of yapping back then too. Um, no, not nothing compared to Tucker. So I, <laughs> I remember like Tucker those first years, right? Uh, when I was there, like he was like unbelievable. So I remember uh, there was a guy on our team with a guy named by the name of Scott Fletcher. He's a uh, six foot six, you know, big guy. He done a few few tilts. He, uh, he he hung in there, anyways. That's Fletch. But I remember he's out there and Tucker was just fucking all over him, all over our bench, right? So he was just always yipping. He even a couple of times he I remember he was skating by the bench one time. He he dumped the puck in at center. I'll never forget this. He stopped and he just said he stopped in our bench and said to Hey Hey Fletcher, you got your lunchbox here? He said, why don't you go back in the room, get your fucking lunchbox, and I'll take it into our room, and I'll get all the boys to sign it, because we're all going somewhere. Like, fucking carving Fletcher up. We're all going somewhere. And then, you know, and I'll give it back to you. And you can, and then when you're all done your career, you can take it to your job site and show all the fucking uh, guys you work with. So I don't know where Tucker got all this from, but he must have, like, played beer league, too, when he was on, in, in the summer, because he had the best one-liners ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like to have the balls do that during a fucking game. Like he dumped the puck and literally stopped at our bench and just had a face to face, like you know, conversation with Fletcher, asking for his lunchbox and he's going to get the boys to sign it because you know we're all going onto the show and you you fucking going to be working the rest of your life and you'll have, you'll at least have the lunchbox and then go for his line change, uh, shit like that. Tremendous, <laughs> tremendous. Yeah. Well, then yeah. uh, while Shane Doan was on that team. And, uh, you know, and, and Tyson Nash, I'm sure he had a lot to say, too. Yeah, just skating around chirping. But, you know, I mean, they, they were so good. Like, I mean, like, other than Tucker, Tucker beat a lot. I mean, yeah, like, Iggy would say the, you know, a few things. Like, he carved Graffer up all the time. Like, hey, Graffer, Babs know you're out here. You know, he, you know, that'd be getting love, but he'd always have a little smeat smirk on his face. Like, but, like, a guy like Tucker, he meant every word he said. Like, <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? You, it, it felt like he meant everything. He'd just fucking carve you up and then, and then right? The other guys would, you know, they'd chirp you a bit and smile, but so they just bury on the scoreboard, right? Yeah. It didn't even matter. And then they had a guy, a guy like Skurlax and then someone, right? So, you know, they had a guy like Skurly. As soon as you did something, you'd fucking step in and he was like the police for that team. Yeah. Unbelievable. That'll never happen in junior hockey again. No. Nope. Like no. Well, some of the other teams, like, we're just kind of stick. I mean, we could go all night talking about the characters that were in the dub, but I just want to throw names out from the different teams just so just so the people, you know, listening have a, you know, a reference of, like, who was in the league at the time and just uh, who you were playing with, playing against night in and night out. I mean, when you go into Tacoma, I mean, you have uh, Verata. Uh, Dallas Thompson, and then a guy, Dale Purrington. Do you ever have any run-ins with Purrington? Yes, it's funny you said that. So I'll start off with the Purrington. So I was playing uh, back in my Bantam days, or go way back to, he was playing midget AAA, and I remember he was part of the Calgary Buffaloes. He was from Calgary. So I got called up to play on the AAA team. And I remember going up, and he was he wasn't even the dub yet. And he was the most feared man in midget AAA. I remember calling up, right? So I'm here. I am once again, two or three years younger than these assholes. I get called up to play in the AAA, and then who do I have to face off against? Peerington. <laughs> so you know, fast fast forward, going into the Coleman stuff, and he just if you if you Google him, even look at him, like he has a scary looking yeah 
Man, and man, he would come at me. I remember, like, you know, we had, we had, you know, part of some brawls. And, of course, I played that third, fourth role line where, you know, he was a D. Sometimes he'd play four. They put him up with the wing when they wanted shit going. That's like he was he was all over the place, Parrington. Yeah, and I think I had a few tilts with him. And, yeah, ultra tough, kick this shit out of you. Just a, a man amongst boys, though, just for strength. And he was a killer in the show, too, I believe. Well, I know he was. Yeah. Well, and like you said, and, like, with Parrington, I mean... He what he didn't give a shit. Like he'd take a stick to you. It didn't matter. He didn't care. Like you were, yeah. he was gonna get you. One of the you know, regardless. He he, yeah. He, he by far like well, I was waiting for you if you're gonna ask me that. He, he by he's number one on my list for the most intimidating players. I want to know part of. Like I would go toe to toe with anyone, and and I, and I did with him, but I was scared. Like I, I honestly was. I was scared to fight him because yeah. he was just so like he just he didn't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, you just don't know. he'd smash you with a helmet, whatever. He'd do anything to win, like to beat you up. Yeah, yeah. I always say with Burrington, like because once he got, because I mean he was doing that shit in the NHL too, which is probably why he wasn't in the NHL yeah. for very long. Because I always say with Burrington, I'm like that dude came along like 15 years too late. That guy should have been in the yeah. 70s against like O'Reilly and Schultz and those guys. He would have fit in perfectly. <laughs> yeah, 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 but. But just he just his look, like you said, he just had those eyes. And like I said, he would stare you down. I remember one time he was playing a left bridge, so this would have been now we're jumping ahead a couple of seasons now, but right. but period, I remember we we're in a brawl and I forgot who I fought. Of course that's my hometown, so I had you know, you try to score the goal, you try to get the Gordy Hell hat trick, right? All the boys are there, all the family. So I'm end up okay, fuck of course I'm not scoring. I never got anything. I had a couple chances, I remember toward the end of the game, third period, and I end up getting I had to fight someone, so I can't remember who I fought. But Purrington's on the ice, and me, this other guy, this fucking asshole, he whips a water ball at me inside the penalty box, so I whip one back. We're standing up, of course. You know, of course, I'm playing it up a bit. It's my hometown. All the buddies are there. Everyone comes running down by the penalty box and that bridge. Good times. And all of a sudden, Purrington, once again, the fucking penalty box doors open. They're like, oh, my God, here we go again. Like this deja vu back to this crazy brawl. Purrington's standing outside the penalty box. And he's egging me on. He's like, Haley, get the fuck out of here. Haley, step out of here. Want to go again? Come on, because I'll make you famous. And this, is your, this is your home barn, isn't it? I'll make you famous. And he's just fucking beaking me, beaking me, trying to get me to step out. And I was like, I remember just shitting my pants. Like, please don't step in here. <laughs> but he was smart enough to know not to come in, right? Or he would have been, obviously, a big suspension and all that. But he was just standing right there. And the fucking guy, he was worried about picking up the water bottles me and buddy were thrown at each other that he fucking left the door open and Puritan standing right there telling me to step out because he's just egging me on just wanted me to step out so he could just clean my clock all right we're back here i i just had to i'm hitting pause i'm taking a break here but we're back uh well we're talking about Puritan wanting to make you famous outside the penalty box door um like i said we we're just talking about some of the guys that were in the league at that time and of course um like Seattle was another big rival, and uh, I'll just throw out some names for the folks out there. Like I said, so you can, so we know who you're dealing with, because I know you had a few run-ins with these guys. Uh, while well, yet the aforementioned Jezelowski, Lloyd Shaw, Kevin Pop, Drew Palmer, Jason Norrie, Calvin Crow, and and a, and a guy named Paul Ferrone. Now, what was it like playing those guys? And uh, I know you had some tilts against those guys. Well, it was, it, yeah, it's just crazy. It was, it was like, uh, just crazy, crazy times. But I mean, going back to this, back to the fight again, I had to bring up the fight again. So after we had this, this amazing brawl, all that stuff. So I remember, uh, we ended up opening the season up. Our first, our first game we played in Seattle. 
So, you know, all all of us that were involved in that brawl, we're all suspended, right? So we're opening up the season. They're they're announcing, uh, you know, their players, their big home opening. And I remember me and Sawyer, we end up, you know, my first time in Seattle, here I am suspended. We go for a run. We're doing the whole space needle run and, you know, all that shit because Babcock has, you know, basically wanted us out of the fucking building, go for a run because we're suspended and whatever. So we go do that. And then we, we get back in time. We shower up. And we're, we're, we're down by the glass and warm up. For whatever reason, we, I don't know if we went out the wrong door. We end up by, uh, oh, oh, shit. I should say weird because it was full ice warm ups. So we end up, we're, we're down by the glass and warm up. We weren't around the, we wouldn't want to be around the dressing room. And I remember fucking being down there and the Lloyd Shaw's, all these guys, the Ferrones, they're skating around the ice and the fucking everything, just like on a slap shot, you know, when the Hanson brothers are going around center ice and just the, the glare. So their whole team, all their tough guys, the Crows, the Shaws, the Barones, the Pops, they're all just staring at us, like giving us the eyes every time they, you know, they make their first lap for, for a warm-up. I remember that, just being so intimidated. And I remember Sawyer just glaring back at them all, right? He's, he's, he could back it up here. I am this tall, skinny kid from Tabor. can fucking chuck him a little bit. And these guys are just giving me the eyes. And here I got to go the next three, four years battling against these guys. So that's pretty much what I remember starting off against those guys. Uh, throughout your, did you ever fight for own? Uh, I, I, yeah, I fought for own once, and by far, if you same thing, same guy. Like we keep bringing up a guy like by the name of Chris Graff, pound for pound. I guess toughest guy I fought. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll talk about it. I guess we can, we can get to it eventually. But I fought Graffer a few times in practice. But pound for pound. One of the toughest guys, um, by far the most skilled technical fighter I fought was Ferone. Literally, yeah, he kicked the shit out of me. He just get in in tight. He could throw, he could throw lefts, rights, didn't matter what he had, and just so much technique. Like he would, you know, like he'd grab the middle of the the jersey, you know, up by the collar, give you little rabbit punches, throw you lefts. He could switch right to left. He would tie up your elbow pad. He'd reach around, grab your shoulder pad. There's so much, so much technique this guy had, and you know I would like to talk to him now, like if I ever had the opportunity to ask where he, how he learned that, or was it all just self-taught? But he, so much technique, and he was, and he just so much power behind his punches for for a little man. Yeah, the uh, well, and like you said, the other guy, Lloyd Shaw, of course. I mean, yeah, I know you had a few run-ins with him. Yeah, Shaw by far, like I said, other than Peerington, Shaw was number two on my list for just guys that just intimidating and and he he had like I said from day one after that my that brawl my my <laughs> he uh he had he had a thing for me. Every game he was fucking coming after me, challenging me and you know, we 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 went a few times over the years, sometimes exhibition, regular season and a lot a lot of guys wanted a shot on Shaw, so I didn't have to fight him every game, but no matter what, he was he was cross checking me or punching me in the face every game. Now, like he, if he did, we didn't fight every game. It was pretty, you know, pretty close. He was he was on me anyway, laying the the beach to me. A lot of talks and ultra tough. Like he went on, he fought a lot of guys, and he was just I don't know how big he was, but he's a lot bigger than I was, and just so intimidating. He fought yep. so many. He, he fought it. He fought every heavyweight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Before we get go, I, I always have to. I know I got a bunch of people. I always they always like when I ask this. But um, as far as the jerseys go, um, did you do anything to your jersey? Like, were you a tie down guy? Did you have a bigger sleeves or anything? Like, did you do any tricks or did you just it's a standard? No, I was standard. I was a tie down guy. I'd, I'd put the tie down on. 
Um, and a majority of my fights, so I like to, like I said, a lot, lot of fights maybe back then, a lot of people, I wouldn't say they're stage fights, but, you know, you're on the draw, you're slashing, you're, you're whacking, the guys are squaring off. Majority of my fights, I would have to say, in my career were all because of my forecheck. I was a ruthless forechecker, just fucking run people over, crush people, skate by the goalie, fucking throw an elbow at the goalie, everything. So all my fights, a lot of them were just off pure emotion. Like I pissed people off so bad that they'd come at me where I didn't even take my helmet off much. Like I, I, I so a lot of my fights where I had my helmet on, the opposing player had their helmet on, and it was just I was very. I'd like to say I learned a lot from Kevin Sawyer on technique. He was just such a powerful guy, but. Working with Sawyer for you know two years, just show, teaching me how to fight. You know, working the lefts to the rights, where, where to grab on the jersey, and and you know it's one thing he told me, and he he had lots of fights where he squared off. It was like you know your your, your head's very you know you don't want to damage your head. So I mean that was just one thing I just sort of, I didn't I wasn't a big square off guy. I throw in my fucking bucket and put my fingers through my hair and all that kind of shit. I my my fights were all on the fly, ninety percent of them. Yeah. Um, well, he said that's Seattle, and then quick Portland. I mean, you had Zednick out there leading the team in scoring, and Scatchard and Adam Deadmarsh, uh, Brad Isbister, um, and they had a, and there was another a big D man that they had that I was a, a big fan of, and uh, unfortunately he passed away. But uh, uh, Brad Symes, do you have any run-ins with Symes? Uh, I don't remember if I did or not. I, I probably did in my early days. I know I had an awesome one because who couldn't forget? So I think it was '94. That was the NHL lockout year. Yep. So that's when all that's when all the boys are back. So like uh, you know, Moose Jaw had Ryan Smith. Uh, the Tigers had the uh, Rob Niedermeyer, and Portland had Adam Deadmarsh, right? And uh, and Weimer. So these are guys that are all in the show. Got sent back to junior because of their age in the lockout. So. I remember they were pissed off, so I remember. So now we'll jump back, you know, the same year exhibition. So we're in, uh, where the hell were we? I think Kimberly or Cranbrook. That's where Portland used to have their camp, right? So all the U.S. teams used to have have their camps across the border in B.C. Just probably, I don't know, maybe just because of immigration stuff, just easier yeah. to do it in Canada, for whatever reason. So we're playing. Once again, you get in a fight, you're kicked out. So it's awesome. So we're, we're playing Portland. And I literally, I remember this the day. I remember I scored a goal. I remember I had uh, I had a helper. So there I was, and here I am in the third period, going back to want to make you famous kind of a scenario. I had Adam Denmarsh come up to me during a line, line brawl and just start whacking, flashing, flashing, flashing. He's just like, "Hey kid, we're going out back up to center ice, back up to center ice. Like I want to fucking, I want to fight at center ice. Like we're down in the corner, and so serious shit." And that goes back to the, you know, so we take our buckets off something that you know that i did that i said i didn't like to do so i end up taking the bucket off we we skate back to center ice and me and dead marsh go toe to toe so it's just an awesome thing you know looking back on it here's a guy who's one of the you know how many stanley cups he won with colorado um you know he had some injury problems but a hell of a hockey player and tough as shit this guy could throw him and i mean i'd probably think he probably got the better of me but and I, that was like my first year and and i'm just very proud to say that i you know i went square toe-to-toe with Adam Denmarsh at center ice and, and either it was Kimberly or Cranbrook anyways. One of those rinks, but it was pretty awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Denmark, yeah, he was a hell of a talent boy. Yeah. Um, well, and of course, Tri-City, speaking of, I mean, uh, of course, you had uh, Damon Lankow 
former guest in the show, Jeremy Thompson, Rocky's brother, who was who was a oh, tough yeah. who was tough too. He was no no fooling around fighting that guy. And of course, nope. hockey podcast network uh, partner here, Terry Ryan, and a fifty goal season. Um, what was it like playing those characters? Do you ever fight Terry? No, I, I don't know if I. No, I don't think I did fight Terry. Um, a lot of times, right? He, he was playing a playing cow, so I mean, I didn't get many ships against <laughs> against that 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 line. Um, you know, a few scrums, this and that. But I, I will say, I guess back in the '94, Sheldon Surrey was there yep. at the beginning of that year as well. Before he ended up getting traded, I, I know he ended up in Kelowna, but I remember one of my I think it was my first game in Tri Cities. I remember going down, same thing. I laid a big hit. I fucking laid somebody out, and I remember Surrey coming after me. And then that's where my my good buddy Jay Birch stepped in, and he just like he goes, "Hales, you do not want this one as your first one." I remember it might have been my first regular season one, and I can't remember what it was. Anyways, basically Birchy got me out of the way, and and fucking Surrey is tough. Well, we all know any NHL career he had, but I remember Birchy stepping in there, and and Jay Birch was tough, 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 and they went toe-to-toe, and I'm just like, I remember thanking him after the game, so, you know, I almost fought Surrey, but I didn't, it was close, he was coming after me, and I remember Bertie's like, you know, at the end of the day, this was like Bertie's draft year or two, and he wanted to you know, make a name for himself, so he pretty much stepped in and took that fight, and I don't regret it one bit. I know going through uh, some footage, um, I was, uh, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way to him, but at the time, like I, I just really wasn't aware, but you watch, yeah, Birch got into some awesome tilts after I watched the yeah. footage. Him and uh, uh, I'm trying to think who, what fight was it? Ferone? Yeah, Ferone. and they just had like he, yeah, like you said, he had some good ones. Yeah, he had an awesome fight with Rocky Thompson. I remember on one of our Eastern swings. We only played Madison that once, and that's when Rocky. I think it's both probably their last years before Rocky ended up going up, you know, to the minors or whatever it was, and before his big NHL debut. There, he, uh, yeah, like there was there was comfort, but like. Like everyone feared Rocky Thompson. Remember rolling into the hat, and right, Bertie was our guy. Like Bertie was our true heavyweight, right? He was like almost six foot six, just killer. Um, and he was a. Uh, but Bert, the thing about Jay Bertie is like that guy could play. He had some sick mitts on him. He was a hell of a hockey player, and sometimes I I felt bad for him because he uh, he his career got cut short from really bad concussion syndrome. Um, I remember we were doing road trips, and Bertie'd be on the bus puking. Like, that's how bad his head was. His bell was rung, and he had to walk away from the game. Like, he couldn't even ride the bus anymore. He's had such bad motion sickness, and it was just from so many concussions that I really feel bad, felt bad for him because uh, I think he could have played at a higher level because he had the skill, and he was tough. That's a lot of things that people don't realize about Jay Birch is he was a highly skilled player as well. No, absolutely. And uh, and then, of course, the last team over in that division there, of course, uh, old PG, Prince George. Oh, you gotta love that road trip up to Prince George, I'm sure. Uh, but one of the characters, and I think you had a couple, you went with him, uh, Van Horlock. Matt Van Horlock? Yeah, well, me and Van Horlock, yeah, we went a few times, yeah. yeah. A couple good tilts with him. I, I still remember, I had a good one with him in Spokane, I remember, and it was it was, uh, it was kind of a, I mean, at the end of the day, you're always you're looking for advantages or strategies, and man, we're, we're, we're throwing bombs, we're throwing bombs, and we're kind of near, we were kind of near the net. I remember I ended up just quickly hammering him right into the net, knocking the, the net off because the goalie was out of the crease, and I pushed him right in the net, and net almost went over. He lost his balance, and I got a few more four in on him before we went down. I, I still remember that. That was a good tilt, me and Van Orlock. They were about the same size, 
similar fighters, um, you know, you know, styles and stuff, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, had some really good tilts with him. Well, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you were saying at this point, um, you know, your, your season was cut short here, uh, kind of with your knee and everything. Um, is that, that's what happened, right? You had to get the, everything taken off. Yeah, so, yeah, so I had the 55 games. So, yeah, this was just after Christmas. It was a planned thing, so, which was uh, very fortunate. So I had some of the best doctors around, so being in Spokane, so, which is awesome. The team took care of me, so knowing that I had to get all the hardware out, it was kind of the plan and all the work. So um, it was all scheduled. I was seen the team doctor, a real good knee specialist that was specialized uh, out of Spokane there that I was able to uh, shut her down. He went in and did some, some reconstruction work on my knee, take everything out. Oh, just such a relief having those four giant pins. And like I said, I had a double figure eight going on in, underneath there. And so I was able to remove all that hardware and that little bit of rehab. And, and I ended up, Coming back, I ended up playing uh, the end of the season there and and into the playoffs as well there. So, but once again, there I am starting back again, limping again because I couldn't had it back in the once it was a soft cast. I had to have it back in there again, something I had for almost a year. Now I'm back in this damn thing again, same thing, losing all my muscle that I gained. Just there I go again, right? Same old shit with my leg and my knee, and just rehabbing and end up fighting back, battling back and getting back in the lineup before the end of the season there yeah well the going into the the you know 95 96 i mean you guys you guys had a hell of a run and um you end up uh you go all the way to the finals where unfortunately you lost to brandon but uh again you you uh you know going into, you played 48 games that year um you're going into your second year your uh your 19 year old i guess it'd be your 19 year old or 18 year old year i guess 18 18 year old year yeah going in um did kind of did uh, Babcock give you the impression like did, did you going back in or it's like oh yeah I'm gonna make the team again or were you still kind of like I don't know like you know how was no. your feeling going into your second year? So this because a lot of people ask me now and and I've heard other comments so this is what this is how I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Mike Babcock here in this. Uh, yeah, thing, let's, right? get, and, let's get to the Babcock and, stuff here. Yeah, so maybe he doesn't even know what he didn't know, or I didn't know what I didn't know. And so going home that summer, so I end up going up and uh, heading back up to Edmonton from Tabor because there's no ice down south, right? You like back then, it's hard to find ice, and there's an old piece of shit rink up and by Edmonton here where a lot of the junior players were at. So I ended up working out with Chad Cabana, another tough guy from Tri Cities skating with him, not even knowing who he was, uh, running into Chris Graff again. So I get up there. This is a funny story about Graffer. I got to give him a little plug here. So I end up skating with Graffer again. All of a sudden, I show up. Now I got the Spokane gear. And I remember he was so proud about everything. So I remember getting out there first day. He comes up to me. and goes, oh, remember me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, how you doing? And we introduce ourselves again. He goes, oh, you're Mike Haley, right? And Graffer. And he goes, oh, can I wear your gloves? I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, those are the Chief gloves. Can I fucking wear your gloves at Shinny today? So I end up switching Graffer gloves. He wears my Chiefs gloves for a whole round of Shinny, eh? just all proud. I bust them skating around, looking in the glass, and the reflection here, he's got the Chiefs bits on. And, you know, what a great story because, you know, the very next year, or this year coming up, like we're talking about, here I am. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, kind of Skype cut out on me there. So you're saying, okay, so yeah, you end up, uh, yeah, Graf borrows your mitts, and then the, then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, you're in training camp with him. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so we're in training camp together. I got a little relationship with Chris Graff. And, and then, like I said, we had said earlier on in the podcast how big of a killer this guy was. And, like, the guy's unbelievable. So, anyways, that this camp, there's a whole, like, this team was stacked. Like, we were coming in, we had skill, a lot of up-and-coming new fighters. So, yeah, I wasn't worried that, about keeping my job just because I knew, you know, what kind of a character person I was. And, you know, the stuff I went through, I know I was – I was really big on, uh, you know, the organization really thought a lot of me that this shit, you know, like for, for what all this crap I went through. So going into this season, I remember get to training camp. Here we are, where we're going. There's a, you know, new group, <laughs> a new batch of guys coming in like I was last year, you know, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give some of these guys an opportunity. So no one who, knowing Graf were from the shinny first, first fight of the camp. Here we are. The puck just drops. Our teams are the first, first thing so i'm like hey graffer let's do it you want to make the team yeah yeah so we get in this fight me and graffer have a, a good fight and that and that's what i'm going to go into this whole babcock thing with is me and graffer we're teeing off toe to toe we're scrapping he's right he's left he's like he's he's, he's like paul Ferron. that's how graffer is i'm holding on i mean i might be a little more stronger holding them out i'm switching up a little bit me and graffer have a great till basically we get you know, we, 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 there's no penalty. You just go back to your bench, and we're on the bench. We both kind of sat beside each other, gave each other a big wink, and he's like fucking all pumped, right? We had a, we had an awesome tilt. So where I'm going to go in with this whole Babcock thing. So this this all goes. We're, uh, you know, pretty much wrapping up the training camp there. All of a sudden, Babcock comes up to me, and this is where maybe a little bit of politics comes into play. You know, they got new people coming in, or it's their draft year, or this and that, or... And I just went through my draft here, never got drafted. You know, neither here, there are a lot of injuries. So Babcock comes up to me and says, yeah, you know, Hales, you know, last summer I uh, I thought you would have got a lot stronger. You know, like you, you and Graffer had a good fight, but he, you know, he, he I thought, I thought you, you should have killed him. You didn't obviously work hard enough at home, so you're, you're not going to address this game, right? So I, just, I was a healthy scratch one of the games. And I'm thinking to myself, are you, are you fucking kidding me? So here I end up fighting, you know, d- didn't even know it. But, I mean, if you like I said, we talked about it. You go look at the Chris Graff tapes, pound per pound, like Paul Ferron. There was no one tougher in the WHL than Chris Graff. So you're telling me uh, because Chris Graff fucking tagged me for a couple that I didn't go home and work out hard enough in the summer? Like, are you kidding me? So, I mean, that was one thing with Babs that kind of pissed me off with that. You know, going into the second year, it was like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think it was, a, you know, very warranted to say that. And I guess the other part I would, you know, I'll talk about Babcock is I'm not going to go down, you know, the road. He was you know, very good, very compassionate. Uh, he was, uh, he, he liked me. He, he knew I helped get the team going. I was really big at practices of pushing the pace and, and, and stepping up to people. But later on in people's careers, and maybe looking back on my career, you know, 20-some years later, in my later years, my 18, my 19-year-old year, and then I, I look at a guy like Jay Birch, knowing the kind of character of people we were, Knowing if someone was to sucker one of our teammates or run a goalie, that no matter what, he should have known that we would have fought. Like we would have stuck up for our teammates. That maybe later on in our career, I think we earned, uh, you know, the right to maybe go and play a little hockey. Like maybe get an opportunity to, you know, get on the second, you know, you know, get a little power play time, do all that. But knowing the kind of guys we were, we're still going to get our tilt in because that's the kind of people we were. We were born and raised that way, and that's just how we were brought up. So I don't know what would have changed, but he 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 felt he 
I, I felt that he at times kept people in the same roles in their 16 all the way up to their 19. There was kids that came in at 16-year-olds that knew that they're going to be goal scorers where they never had to play these other roles, and that's fine. But I think we, we, we deserve the right at a later age in our careers to go and play a little hockey. And I felt at times we, we, we never got a chance to do that. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You sort of, you were sort of, once you were kind of pigeonholed, that was it with Babs. Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's all, yeah, and that's yeah, that's all I am. And that's talked to a few former players, and we feel that way. You know, great coach. Uh, obviously, you see the the success he's had. Ultra, ultra prepared. You hear everyone say that. Even the NHL guys say that. There's no one more prepared than him. Very good, very good. Uh, you know, very very driven, right? But. And I don't know if he was like that at the NHL level. I hear some of the stories that happened to some of the players. Yeah, we we went through that at junior as well, some of the stories and things that he's done. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I, mean, I, I believe everyone gets a second chance. And, I mean, he, he, you know, he obviously helped a lot of people in their careers. And, and I mean, he, he helped me become the person that I am today, so I don't hold that against him. But, I mean, hopefully uh, he gets another chance. And I'm, I'm sure he's taken the time now to reflect, right, just like the game has changed with the uh, – the no fighting and all that. I believe coaches now, you know, they get they should have the opportunity to adjust to the new the new game itself. So, and then that and that goes to the way that you treat people, right? So now in the workplace, as we're all grown men now, we can't treat people like maybe we were treated as kids from hockey coaches. We can't treat people we work with that way. So maybe that's just some of the stuff that he's he's got to go through now before he gets his next opportunity. And I hope. He gets that opportunity and gets a, you know, he realizes that. Yeah. Well, like you said, dear, uh, so you're going into your second year. You got, uh, you got Graffer showing up on the team, but another guy that was a rookie that year that uh, was Ty Jones. And Ty Jones. He's a, he's a, oh. yeah, by far pounds, like you always say the pound for pound word, but hockey, but here's a kid. This is no word of a lie. I've never seen anything like this. I don't know. I'm sure the other teams are witnesses. So here's a kid that comes in from, uh, I think he's, he was from Eagle River, Alaska. I, and I've become good friends with Jonesy over the years. And he'd come in and he would, like the lad pulled down, like we had all the top in Spokane, right? It's a very successful franchise. So, we had the best workout gear, the best training room in the, in the WHL. We were back in that day, so the best weights. He'd come in the first day. I remember as a sixteen-year-old, he put the the pin right to the bottom. I don't know how much weight it was, but this, this is no word of a lie. He put the pin right to the bottom, and he just maxed it on everything. He put every every plate we had on the leg press, and maxed out everything. And that's just how fucking strong he was. And he didn't even, and, and you know, he didn't train for it. Like he wasn't training for it. He was 16 years old and come in and he was just so much stronger that even like the 19 year old, 20 year old players just couldn't believe it. You know, you go into practice and he just manhandled everyone. Like we're all like little kids. He was so strong. Unbelievable. Like I, I remember, so I mean, you think about it first round of Chicago, he ends up getting a signing bonus. He got the max signing bonus. So I remember as soon as he got that, we were, we were playing and we, I remember going to a gas station with him and we bought every case of beer that was in that fucking store. And we went back and we celebrated with the team. It was it was awesome, <laughs> like unbelievable. Like to go in, to start, you know, at a young age to go into a, a place and then basically getting you know getting asked, hey, like what are what are you guys gonna buy or you know like what what are you here for? Of course, we're underage. We're both you know big guys going in there underage, not you know 
state of Washington, you got to be 21 to buy a beer. Jonesy is probably all of, you know, 17, 18 at the time, gets his signing bonus, huge check. And we're just like, yeah, we're going to buy every fucking can of beer you got in here. And, and he did. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> I remember just show, showing up at a house party, and, and, and that's one thing. Like, I mean, we had a we had a good time down there. We were rough and tough, and I mean, we're we're, we're talking about the ninety five, ninety six. We were the number one ranked team at the end of the year. If you look it up yep. in the CHL, yep. we were number one ranked going into that playoffs, and we just fell short to Brandon. We just come up short. We had some injuries, and you know, yep. a few things happened. But fuck away from the rink, man. We were a tight, tight group, and we had some guys, you know, that had some money that signed contracts, and they they treated all of us guys that. You know, making our 180 bucks now, right? Well, moved up from 90 bucks to 180 bucks. No, you're farting through you know, self now. They, they, they took yep. sick. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, we partied hard. We had a good time. Yeah, well, you guys, yeah, 50 and 18 and 4 was your record. Yeah. And, um, well, um, well, and you, like, we're going to bring up the Brandon thing here, but like you said, in Kelowna, though, now we've moved to, now we're going to Kelowna. A new stop for the bus. Kelowna's first year, and you got Sheldon Surrey yeah. and a couple guys that you had uh, some run-ins with, The Fridge, Todd Fedoric, and, a, and another kid from Alaska named Scott Parker, uh, who, oh, who yeah. would, like, you're talking two massive individuals, and uh, there's Haley taking them both on. What were your uh, memories in that old Kelowna barn with that back wall? Yeah, how was uh, what was it like going in there, facing those guys? What a piece of shit barn! But you know, you know what? What a great job by their 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 team, their scouting staff, the GM. If you look back on it, they built the team around a piece of shit rink. Yeah, like you know yep. how intimidating you're going into a, a a barn where you can't even move, square board like corners it was weird. Like it, was, it shouldn't even been legal to play in this thing. And, uh, yeah, and they built a team around it that you go in there and just get the shit kicked out of you. Nowhere to move as a skilled guy. Like, big guys, you know, we all just hung in, like, yeah, hung in there. It was, it was, it was weird. <laughs> and, uh, hey, how'd your tilts with Fedoric go? Uh, you, you know what, what, what Todd, and I'll talk, talk about the ones with Parker after, after this, but with, with Todd, they were, they were good. A lot of them, both of us, they weren't stage fights. I remember both of them, like he did something where I went after him or I did something, went after him. And the thing with Fedoric, I mean, obviously, and I think a lot of these guys might have got stronger as they went on. Maybe I caught them earlier in their career as they were all, were all around the same age. But once again, similar size, you know, six one, you know, 200 pounds, over 200 pounds, where... Where I mean, you get two big guys in there. If you're not fighting like uh, Paul Ferone and Chris Graff or or Kevin Sawyer, where you're just throwing these fucking bombs, so it's more of a technical thing. I'm I can hang in there with any of these guys. So I hung in there, you know, with the Todd Fedorks, who went on to be a tough guy in the NHL, and I'm very proud of that. I mean, I got a, I got a few in on him, I remember, and he got a few on me. But you know, at the end of the day, I I would there was I, I feared Daryl Peerington, even a guy like Paul Ferone more than I did Todd Fedork. Yeah. Uh, well, and then Parker, and then, uh, <laughs> and then yo, know, and Parker, and, and the thing with Parker is Parker wasn't a chirper, right? He'd come up and talk to me because the the thing is, you don't realize in hockey DB. So Parker's from Alaska, like Jonesy, but Parker played before he went to 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 Tacoma and Kelowna. Parker played for the Spokane Braves. He played yep. junior B hockey in Spokane. So all the rest of us, you know, we're playing for the Chiefs. So Parker would come out and skate with us, and I remember he would. 
100 miles trying to keep up with us. And, I mean, like how far he came in, like, three years is unbelievable. So I don't mean any disrespect to Scott Parker if you listen to this, but he'd come out with us, and we were all, like, laughing at him because he was so intense. He'd be like, miss a pass. He'd be like, fuck! Had this big goatee. And the play would be going the other way. Parker would still be going the other way. You know, this is playing junior B, right? We're all laughing, and he's, like, you know, coming out, want to have a beer with the boys. And, you know, we did after in the parking lot because it's all conditioning camp before camp started. Parker's with us all right that's a lot of people don't realize that Parker's ties to Spokane he had quite a few ties there because he was he lived there as well yeah he played in junior b and so he, he was skating with us so when he got to Cologne it'd be like same thing I'd piss him off be like fuck Hales we gotta go fuck you you know be all mad at me and I'd be laughing and beaking him back like oh hey, can you fucking even keep up Parker and like I could see the fucking corn in your goatee there buddy right and he'd just get pissed <laughs> off and we had the same thing good tilts and, and once again, like I don't, I don't know, like my style of fighting, I could, like I, I don't know, I could just hang in there with with the best of them. Literally, like I just, I would tie these guys up so bad, and I just, like I said, I'll give a lot of credit back to Kevin Sawyer, like working with him so much and just showing me so much technique of how to how to tie up and switch. Like I grab Parker by the by the elbow pad where he couldn't he couldn't move, and he tried to go to left, and I would do a reach over and grab that elbow pad. Just so much different techniques that these, these killers were never pounding the shit out of me and where I'd just, you know, every now and again I'd pop and get a lucky one and we go down and, you know, you feel like you won the fight. You might only throw in two punches to their to their 20, but yeah, I'd, I'd end up on top a lot of times. I just had good balance and, and just great technique. Yeah, well, and, uh, well like you said, uh, you know, we'll... Uh you know, you, you guys made it to the final with uh, with Brandon, and of course they had such a strong team that year. And uh, you know, Mike Leclerc and Chris Dingman and Wade Redden and Darren Van Owen. Um, yeah, ah, shit, that was, that was a really good team. Um, I noticed, uh, yeah. you know, uh, you, you played the forty eight games, then you just played the four playoff games. So did you get hurt again? Yeah, I, I missed some of the playoffs. Yeah, same thing. I got hurt, and then, same thing. We were so strong then. I was in and out of the lineup as well. I had an injury, but then, but then, but I, then, I, then I came back to the right. So you had Chris Graff, Ty Jones. We were all fighting for you know for the, that roster. They made some trades. I think we ended up getting Jan Herdina, who went on to play like he was like played with Lemieux and Yager, right? Yeah. But we ended up getting Herdina. So there were some deals made where some of our outside guys, even though it was our second year, we we're so so talented that. Some of us guys had to take a back seat and rotate through. So, so that, but you, you know, something else that's really remarkable that year. So we were ranked that high, but if you look back, that's our very first series we played Portland. So up until I don't know, just a couple of years ago, I couldn't even tell you when you'd have to do the research. But we were down three nothing to the Portland Winterhawks. Oh, okay. We were the first team in WHL. We were the first team ever to come back from three nothing. So you want to talk about craziness. Like, well, here we are, ranked number one in the CHL going into the playoffs. First round, we're down 3 nothing, And we fought back and won game six and game seven. Game seven, Darren Sinclair, my roomie, scored in double overtime in Spokane. And you want us, oh, I'll never forget that feeling. That, that place was electric. That Spokane arena was unbelievable. How did you guys? 11,000 people in there. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you guys draw pretty big crowds back then? Yeah, so I, yeah, I guess we could kind of bring into that. So, which is different with the new hockey now, as I call it, and the old hockey, and and maybe I don't know. This 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 would be a great thing for debate, maybe for your show. But 
some I really question is so, so right now with the, the economy saying the 2000s compared to the 90s I don't know the economies but how the game has changed from the 2000s on to now with the lack of fighting and getting rid of this we were sold out every game yep. so Tri-Cities Spokane Seattle Portland I remember playing a game in Portland in the new Rose Garden where the, the Trailblazers play 20,000 people Yep. In, in that playoff game. So imagine that. WHL hockey, 20,000 people. Spokane, so on a Wednesday, our, our home games are Wednesday nights and Saturday night. Every Saturday night was sold out in that new arena. So just, just shy of 11,000 people. And for a Wednesday night game, we would get roughly around 8,000 people. Now, I look, I've look. i looked at Spokane. They made it to the finals a couple of years ago, and they're getting 3,000 people. I'm like, what the fuck happened to that city that... Or, or the league, is it, and is it that you're only getting 3,000 people? Is it uh, the economy that's that bad where families can't afford a $20 ticket now? No, I just remember back there, the fans, that, that was the best thing about American fans down there, and that's why the, the teams were so successful. They loved when you fought, when you hit, when you scored a goal. No one was a critic. That's all they knew. They knew to cheer if you fucking scored. Obviously, you, you, you want your team to win. And if there was a fight, the crowd would go crazy or a big hit. And that's why those teams were so successful. And now with that being out of the out of the game, I just don't know. That's why some of these American teams, I even like that's one thing I always look now at the Portland, Seattle. Like I'll go online and look what kind of crowds they have. And they're not even close to what we used to get. But these buildings are not even half full anymore. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's a different time, that's for sure. Um, one of the well, things, I don't know the, how it is around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. No, it's just I don't know. I think I guess maybe it's just a battle for entertainment dollars these days, and maybe people have just got other shit to do. But yeah, I, I would think it's uh, you know without looking into it. But I mean, just uh, yeah, I would think the attendance is down everywhere. I mean, I don't yeah, know. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, I mean, where, where, where can you pay twenty bucks and go and see a line brawl? <laughs> yeah. just, you know, no entertainment like that, like there was in '90s WHL hockey. No, there isn't. No, exactly. Um, one of the things we had talked about, and Graf talked about this. Um, and I know you and I talked about it off the air, but we'll just talk about it now. Graffer talks about the basic, and it, it was surprising because I was talking about my brother about this and a few other guys. So I was asking him, you know, how many fights in practice, or you know, did you get into and stuff? And they're kind of like. They had to really think, like, they're like, no, nah, not really. Like, you know, it, it happened now and again. But but for some reason, talking to Graf and stuff, and I, you know, and then talking to you, so I know the story wasn't exaggerated, but there seemed to be, a, and Mazer said the same thing, there seemed to be a lot of fights in Spokane in practice. Um, like, what was going on there? And you had an interesting story about this. Well, yeah, I... I Unbelievable. So, like, after I guess even even my first year. So, going back to my like my first year, I uh, I would I got pulled pulled aside by Babcock and just said like, Hey, Hales, you're you're so intense. Like, I, we we need you going in the playoffs, right? It starts in practice. We need you going. So, I don't know if that was his way to get into my head to make me stronger, but he fucking loved it. Like, I would I would run guys, and right, and all of a sudden a fight would break out. So, I remember my first year going into playoffs. Here I am, my old roommate, my, my, my mentor. We're going in, and, uh, you know, I was running around doing something stupid or whatever, and I ended up sticking Kevin Sawyer right, right before our first round of the playoffs. And fucking, you know, all the boys are up. Well, fucking Sawyer drops his gloves, and he's, he's coming at me. He's, just, he's, like, frothing at the mouth, and here I am. I'm holding on with both hands. Like, I'm not even thinking about 
how I'm going to fucking fight. I'm just worried about saving my my life here, right? He's coming at me. So numerous fights. So, yeah, that, that was going in that first year into, and we had numerous fights throughout the year. And then I guess the, the year we're on now, my 95, 96 year, I remember this, so we we're, we're ranked tough. Same thing, numerous fights throughout the year. And, and, and I had majority of my fights leading up to the playoffs. So the, the two weeks going into it, I just, whatever, I just, that was just my character, just trying to push guys and, you know, so we can make a big run in the playoffs. And I remember a good buddy of mine, and I even got a chance to, to, to talk about it much with Joel Boschman. So me and Bosch from day one, uh, we were so tight down there. We're, even to this day, we talk, and he's a local Saskatoon guy. Yep. Uh, lives in your neck of the woods. Awesome guy. Great character guy. And I remember this story. So his D partner was Hugh Hamilton. So Hugh Hamilton played on the 97 uh, uh, um, World, Junior uh, Team. World Junior Team. Yep. Yeah, we played gold medal. Same thing, Saskatchewan boy. So they were partners. And I remember same thing. I'm like, how can I get Huey going? And same thing. Babs is all over me. Got to get these guys going. So I remember I ended up just fucking running them. Probably, you know, probably what I shouldn't do to a teammate. <laughs> before the playoffs run, in case you hurt somebody. But I remember Bosch skating up to me, and he's just like, fuck, Hales, what did you do? Like, we're, we hung out every day. We're buddies. And he's just like, he played that same role, and I just, right, same thing. So now here I am, my my best friend on the team's coming after me. And that's just how it was. Bosch is like, fuck, Hales, what did you do? And like, now I have to, like, he's just, now he's all flustered, skating around the ice. He, he, he's got to go me. And, uh, like I said, now also we we're squaring off, have a good tilt with Bosch, and then a funny story is after, and then we're getting the room, it's all quiet. Bosch isn't looking, you know, doesn't want to talk to me. I'm not looking at him, and I kind of look over and we give each other a little smirk, and and by the end of it, I'm over in his stall, sitting on his lap, and we're hugging it out. Right, that's just kind of how kind of team and how it was down there. It was unbelievable all the fights we had at practice. Like I fought. Uh, Brad Ferentz, one of my best fights in practice. Like, that guy went on to play, and he was fucking killer, Brad Ferentz. Same thing, but he was just an asshole at practice, and me and him had numerous fights at practice. Fought Graffer a few times. Fought Jonesy multiple times, and yeah. <laughs> well, your your final year in Spokane, 96-97, um, yeah again it's kind of kind of a it was kind of the down year you know considering the year before um you know you guys finished uh 35 and 33 and uh but uh you know you had you had some new guys show up on the team of course you know as it's junior hockey the young guys coming in you know uh blake evans uh Suter, kyle rossiter um now what what I forgot about Kelowna. One of the guys I wanted to ask you about because he's new to the team in Kelowna, uh, and he went on to play in the minors and stuff. And I've seen lots of his fights, and I've talked to a few people, and they were like tough guy and everything, but they said one of those just an asshole to play against was Chris Millette. Chris Millette, yeah, I remember. Yeah, we. Same, just a big talker, run around, and yeah, in Beacon, that was, that was his game, right? Yeah, so, I don't mean him ever. We didn't mean him ever had any fights, but but it was just I don't remember. Yeah, uh, but it was just like another guy's, and then Ryan Anders, they had him too in Kelowna. It was just like Ed Fedorik and Parker. It's just like yeah, like you said, Kelowna just built that team around that rank, like just tough. Yeah, dudes. it was just crazy. They did a good job, right? Yeah, for whatever reason, we had their number, yep. and uh, getting back to Kelowna, I. I that was the only team that I ever had any uh, 
real success, I guess, on the scoreboard against. So I had a couple game winners in my career against Kelowna. I remember I had an overtime winner. You know, just the few goals that I did score in my WHL career, I remember them. In the playoffs, we went in there. They were kind of favored to beat us. I remember I went in there, and one game I ended up getting two goals, a game winner. Like, you know, Mike Haley comes into Kelowna, and fuck, I end up sniping two goals. And it was, it was, it was pretty funny. The rock- you know, those guys didn't like me. The rocket killer, Mike Haley. There you go. Um, yeah. Well, two defensemen that went on, of course, to play have big NHL careers that uh, that came into the league at that time. Uh, in Kamloops, one of them was Robin Regeer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember Robin. Yep. And then uh, and the other one, of course, in Prince George, the Tower of Power. There, old Big Z, Zdeno Chara. What was it like playing against that guy? What did you think the first time you saw him? Oh, just a monster. So I imagine it was, it was just like, you know, we, we used to, you, know, you almost think of like Andre the Giant, right? So, yep. you know, like, you know, like the, the, the 10th wonder of the world we were going to say about Chara. So we're going in there with all that fight. I remember looking at the sticks. Like back then, there wasn't all the custom stuff like now. It was just kind of getting introduced. Like we remember on my last, like this year, we started getting our first. We were allowed to get patent sticks, right? We could have a curve with your name on your stick. And so I remember like going into there, walking by their bench, their, their practice, and we just rolled into town and seeing this custom, like this coho, wooden coho stick that Tara was using. Like you could see that had this big extension put onto it. And I remember squaring off against them, not so like for a fight, but I mean, lining up against them on the wall on a face off. And you could see the extension that was added onto his jersey. Like someone just sewed this extra fucking six or eight inches onto the bottom of his jersey, onto his sleeves, just because the colors didn't match. Yeah. You know, like he had a little stripe in there, but the but this one, you know, the one part was way bigger because they had to add all the shit to his helmet. And I remember, yeah, just dumping it in his corner a bunch of times, or just all the games we had against him. But just you know, he was really tall and lean, but just so solid. Like you go and hit him, you weren't moving him anywhere. You just bounce off him. So it was almost better just to almost to stick check him, but. Just get a stick and try to just push him into the corner because it was pointless trying to run him. He was so big, you couldn't even run him. He would just bounce off and you look stupid. Or you'd piss him off and you would just, like, you just go flying. Yeah, just a tower of power. And then, of course, the legendary fight. Once yeah. again, my buddy Graffer, you can look it up. So I, I, was, I was on the ice when that happened on that video. You can see, see me for a millisecond just because I just know what I look like. But, anyways, yeah. So we were, we were breaking down and. Curtis Suter is a, a D-man, so he's kind of on a rush for whatever reason. Suter, he's on a rush, and I remember him cutting to the middle, and Chara come across and just fucking hammered him. And on the ice was uh, me, Jonesy, and uh, Graffer. And yeah, and then uh, Graffer just got inside on him and popped him a couple good ones. And I mean, it's legendary, you know, Graffer being five foot eleven, knocking. I was like, you no, know, just knocking out Chara. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, you're you're. Uh... Yeah, so that's your your nineteen year old season. You played the, uh, um, you know, the fifty eight games, um, you know, and then the nine playoff games. Um, at that point, uh, going into your final, year, like, so now you're you guys are uh, the following year. You're twenty years old. You guys are hosting the Memorial Cup. Did you kind of have a feeling that you you weren't making it? Yeah, so I went home that summer. Train a lot of a lot of things on my on my mind as well, right? And, you know, still still not knowing what the future holds or or you know where it was going. You know, at the end of the day, you're a chief throughout, and 
And then, you know, I'm not even thinking down that road to thinking, oh, maybe, you know, I still remember this, having these thoughts. Oh, maybe like Spokane doesn't have a really good four checker or they're really, you know, they're going to lack some toughness and maybe they'll keep me around. But thinking about it, you build a Memorial Cup team, you got to have some skill and toughness. And there was enough tough guys there with, with Jonesy and Graffer where, I mean, they couldn't sacrifice uh, one of the 20 year old spots for, for, for a Mike Haley, a guy that's, that's all he's going to bring, right? Where they can have opportunity to bring in some skill and get some goals out of a 20-year-old. So I realized that pretty early. So so I'll tell you a crazy story. So this is, I get into camp, and this is, you know, this is, it, it was, I had some sour, uh, a sour taste in my mouth for a long time after this, but as years go by, you get over it. So I get into Spokane, that 20-year-old season, and uh, early on I knew, right, so here I am, I'm one of, I guess one of the, I guess I'd be one of the heavyweights on the team at this point. Here I am, 20-year-old, so I'm, I'm going there with a lot of emotions just for the stuff we're just talking about. Where am I going to end up? What am I doing? I'm fighting for my life here where I'm fighting everyone. Like, we had inter-squad games. I remember I fought two or three times fighting my own teammates. I remember fighting, fuck, I fought Suter. I fought Jonesy. I even asked Graffer, like, hey, man, got to help me out. Like, I'm asking Graffer, can you help me out here? Now, now the roles reverse. It's funny how that goes in life, right? Makes a full circle. Now I'm going up to Graffer. Graffer, fucking fight me. Like, I got to, and just like, come on, let's have, make it a good one. Like, I'm begging for him not to basically kick the shit out of me because now how far he's evolved in his fighting in the last two or three years. So we get into camp, and also we get this, there's a new up-and-coming guy, he enters camp, and he's fighting everyone, and he's winning a few of these tilts, and it comes to uh, my, my our, our inner squad game against him. Funny fucking story, I'm going to get to this. So ends up being then, and he went on to have, a you know, played it for a while, Regan Darby. Yep. So the Saskatchewan boy, he comes into camp. He's fighting everyone. So he's, you know, I respect. He's trying to make a spot. He's trying to earn a spot. Here I am trying to hold on to a spot. Well, he's fucking coming after me, coming after me, right? So he's trying, and I respect that. So I'm like, okay, let's fucking go here. So we square off. This is one of the times, okay, I'm going to square off. This guy, he's kind of kicking the shit out of everyone. So he's winning a few fights. I'm like, okay, let's square off. We square off. The first thing he does is grab both my elbow pads. He locks, he locks in there, and he won't do anything. I'm like, fuck, man, we got to throw him. But I'm like, come on, square off. Like, let go. Like, we'll square off. We'll, you know, we'll do this right. Come on, man, come on. Like, I'm begging him now because I'm, I'm like, I'm Memorial Cup year. I'm fighting for my, my, my livelihood, want to stay with the team, like, loving, you know, everything about it. He's trying to get in, and he fucking won't square off, won't let go. So I don't know what happens. I'm, like I said, sometimes I, I just lost complete focus or whatever. I'd snap. Well, I ended up cocking back, and I gave him one of the world's best fucking headbutts. <laughs> I fucking crushed his nose. I, I crushed his nose. I knocked him out. I remember him hit, he, he hit the ice so hard, he's like, I can't see. I can't see. He's fucking blacked out. Like, I KO'd him with a fucking headbutt. And this is where I talk about the sour taste in my mouth. Well, I also put, put my teammates that were my teammates in a bad spot. I get it. So everyone's jockeying. So we're, we're, we're coming off the successful year, um, you know, go, almost going to Memorial Cup. So this place is buzzing. Spokane Arena, like, people don't realize, like, there was probably three or 4,000 fans there to watch tryouts. And leading up to the, the red-white game where we'd have, like, 6,000 fans for a red-white game. That's no bullshit. So this is the last game leading up to the red-white game. All the hype, Haley Darby, blah, blah, blah. People were chatting about it. Well, I fucking end up just KOing him with a headbutt. Not even one punch. So I'm, like, knocked him out cold. Once again, full circle all the way back to my story about Dave King. 
only one there from the Haley family is my mom. My mom and then my girlfriend, who is my wife now. She's there with my mom. Of course, the crowd's just fucking going crazy. People are yelling, like fan, like parents, get them off the ice. Like, And the fans are cheering, fucking loving it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go Haley. So then my own teammates, I, and I don't want to mention names, but I had three of, my, three of my own fucking teammates jump me after I did that. But I put them in that spot where they're like, do we have to stick up for this guy? What Hale did was wrong. Where fucking my own teammates jumped me, and I was fucking so choked after that. I remember, and I was I was mad. So end up going off the ice after the brawl. I mean, it created this big fucking line brawl where three of my own teammates. I remember a couple of them punching me. Like I said, I'm not going to mention their names out of respect because I'm over it now. But I end up going off once again, full circle. I'm pretty emotional in the room. I remember I'm fucking breaking down. I'm like, kind of fucking crying a bit. Like, here I am. This is how I'm going to end my career. Like, fuck, I just embarrassed my, my family once again. My mom fucking knocked this guy out with a head bunt. Back in the dressing room, and I remember Babcock comes in there and he goes, Hales! He says, if that's the worst fucking thing you do this year, we're laughing. <laughs> so I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. So then, okay, I leave. I'm pretty upset, right? I embarrassed my mother again. So she leaves the arena. We all leave the arena. I remember coming back the next day. This is where it gets funny. Next day I come back, I get hauled into fucking the GM's office again with Babs, and they're like, yeah, Hales, what you did, that was pretty bad. Um, you hurt him pretty good. He's out with concussion. Um, he's not going to be able to play in the red-white game. So just out of the optics, we're going to suspend you for the red-white game. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so here I am, like, really? So here I am, like, who the fuck get suspended for a red-white game. So I, to this day, I don't know any other team, and I've asked around the teams, have you ever heard of anyone getting suspended for the fucking red-white inter-squad game? So I got suspended. They're like, oh, yeah, you got to work out. So you know what the first thing I did is? I put on all my running shit. The game's about to bust open. There's like 5,000. I started running the fucking stairs. No one ah. this is my last hurrah. So I end up, Spokane's a big barn. I go run the stairs. So all the boys are just howling. They're banging their sticks. There I am. They're all playing the game, and I'm running the stairs, proving a point. Like, fuck you. I'm going to work out. I'll run. Yeah, I'm not going to sit in the dressing room and hide. If, if I'll, you know, I'll step out here. If I did something wrong, I'll own it. But I'm going to show that, show everyone and get a good laugh out of it. I'm going to go out this way. So I just started running the stairs in the fucking arena, going up through the fans, up and down the stairs. And that was a good way, good way to end her. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, so... Well, like you said, you have the so you have the meeting at the end of camp, obviously, and and they're they're not keeping you as a twenty year old. Um, and as you know, wh- what was that? What was that meeting like when you were finally uh, uh, released by Spokane? Uh, very tough. Like I said, I I uh, like I said that, that was my heart and soul. Uh, the Chiefs, right? Like you know, just the whole the whole story that I just told, and getting hauled in, and, and just realizing it, but it's it's so weird, and, that, and that's why I hear so many players now that struggle, is when your whole your whole life is planned out for you, there's a big routine, and all of a sudden just comes to a grinding halt. And it's not on your terms, it's different. So, yeah, I yep. struggled, right? I, yep. I went, so, but but where it was with this, so I had the option, right? I had some interest, right? So Spokane, like Tim Speltz, you know, great GM, they, in Babcock, I said, oh, nothing bad to say about the organization, because they what I, what I tell you, what they did for me was awesome. So they called me in and they're like, hey, you have some interest. Um, we can trade you. There's some teams that want you as a 20-year-old. Um, and Babs is like, there's some interest to go down and play in the East Coast League. You can go down there. 
can go play pro. You can go try that out. He says, or you can go to the, you're from Lethbridge, you know, Lethbridge area, and that's where he coached he, before you end up in Spokane. He's like, and then Spelty said, he says, since you're like, you know, a diehard chief, I mean, you know, the whole story and everything, they, they said, if you walk away now and don't sign a pro contract, we'll give you five years books and tuition. So they basically gave me a full ride for school if I would just walk away retiring basically as a chief. And uh, that's the road I went down. And I, and to this day, I, I don't re- re- regret it one bit. You know, I missed what could have been. Like, I know the NHL was far off my uh, radar. I knew I wasn't an NHL player. Could I have been a pro player and maybe, you know, change my game under different, you know, different coaching style, going home to heal mentally and physically. Yeah, who knows? But I don't, like I said, I've gone on to have a, you know, very successful uh, career away from hockey and got a beautiful family, a wife uh, that I met in uh, Spokane. We've been married now 22 years, believe it or not. Got married soon as I was done, and we have two wonderful children. And uh, I said, I'm I'm happy I walked away the way I did in Spokane, doing what they did for me with uh, with all the schooling. No, absolutely, and I mean that's a, that, that's a good that's a class move, and uh, like you said, they certainly didn't have to do that. And um, but I will before we you didn't go completely away from hockey just yet. You actually did play the nine games in Bonneville in the Alberta in the Alberta oh, Junior Hockey League. Yeah, what um, like that? Did, did you sort of get talked into that, or what happened there? And why did you only play the nine games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the worst decisions that I made, and it just because I wasn't mentally there, so. So I, so I end up going back home. So I was going to end up so I going back to the school thing. I was going to go play for the University of Lethbridge. I end up not having, uh, so to all you kids out there, if you're listening, make sure you don't fuck around in school and get your, uh, you know, your, your, uh, you know, your English 10, 20, 30, and all that kind of stuff with your math. Because I basically, I graduated, but I didn't have the grades to get into university. So I end up having to do an upgrade. So I talked to the Chiefs. Once again, they stepped up, said, okay, we'll pay for all your upgrading at a junior college, and it won't go against your five years. So that's the kind of stuff they did for me. So they paid for all my upgrading. I did that. I started skating with the, the pronghorns. In, in between that, right, I couldn't play. I had to miss the season anyways. One of my former assistant coaches by the name of Brett Cox, he ended up leaving Spokane. He ended up becoming the coach general manager of the Bonneville Pontiacs. And called me up, and he offered me, you know, you know, it's funny, some of the sweet deals you hear about that you can't do. I ended up signing the contract. I was, if I went up there, he, he was going to pay me 25 bucks, a, 25 bucks a goal, 10 bucks an assist. It's kind of weird. You know, there was a little financial gain from it, but I got up there. I was a little out of shape, and my heart wasn't in it. So I got up there. You could only get, you couldn't even fight. You got kicked out if you got in a tilt. So again, I get a few fights and then what, getting like 60 penalty minutes and nine games there or something, a few points. And I just went to him one day and I just, I, I was done. I was just mentally done. It wasn't for me. And I apologized for if I let him on in any way and shook his hand and, and then basically walked away from the game at that point. I was laughing because I was looking at that roster. One of the names that came up, stuck out to me on the Bonneville was Ryan Schmier. Was on that team. Yeah, yeah. Four hundred minutes. Right, he's a good guy. He ended up. Yeah, 
He yeah. ended up going up and playing for in the, for Alaska or something. Yeah, he was, he was a good dude. I remember him. Yeah, super nice guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He played in the minors for a lot. Uh, Smears. Yeah, they both, a couple of them played in the minors as tough guys. But yeah, I looked. He had he had four hundred and forty three minutes and penalties that year in Bonneville. It sort of struck me that that he was still playing. And like you said, oh yeah, and that, that, that team was fucking crazy. Like I got up there and it was a whole other level. Like the hockey, like junior A now is good. Like I go and watch now, and there is a lot of skill. And it's, oh yeah. It it uh, it was a it was like the W you saw the WHL was crazy like that junior that was fucking a whole other level of craziness. Oh yeah, well there's a reason it was called, up the, the reason it was called jungle A, right? Like uh, you know, but I, it was like one of those things. I always say with junior A, it's like you had your top your top line guys in your first D pairing. You know, could have you know been major junior guys, whatever. But then after that, it was just you. You had a bunch of uh, you know, I mean, some okay guys. But then, and then it was just a bunch of dudes that were just looking to fight. And uh, back then, and it was uh, yeah, there was some crazy shit in the junior A world. That's for sure. All right, so we were just uh, kind of talking how you just uh, you walked away. Your heart wasn't in it, and uh, but I know from talking to you here privately and stuff, I know you've uh, gone on and had a, a successful career away from hockey. And uh, but you're also still in, still been involved in the game. Uh, what's Mike Haley doing in the world of hockey these days? Um, I'm quite fortunate. Um, my I have a son. He's 14 now. That he uh, like I, I was able to help out with his you know his, his minor hockey days all, all all the way up to this point this year. I've helped uh, be an assistant coach on his team. I was a head coach on some of the teams. So I've still been very very involved with uh, the local community community around here, uh, Spruce Grove helping out with hockey and uh as i said i'm very fortunate uh, my son's got an opportunity now to uh to play on a very good team uh he is he's playing uh on a u15 uh major team which is which is awesome so he's kind of following in the same footsteps that i am so very proud of him and uh right now with covid and all the stuff that's happening in the world and the, now all the leagues are shut down I'm, I'm i'm back on the ice with them so we're able to uh rent the ice, do some one-on-one sessions. So I'm actually working uh, quite uh, a bit with them here in the last couple of weeks. We're just getting out there skating and more so focusing on uh, just the way everything is on the, on the mental side of the game right now and just having some fun going out there, shooting some pucks, and really just working on a, a few different ideas and strategizing on uh, ways that he could maximize his uh, ice time like when he's out there. Just re uh, reinforcing. Make sure you have a good communication with your line mates, with, with your coaches on, you know, on offensive, defensive face-offs. So kind of going through that. I've been rimming like 40, 50 pucks at him at a time, and he's just working on different ways to chip the puck out. Where actually to lay that puck if he gets it, if his if the centerman's not available to pick up that pass. Work on ways where you know he can just you know get it out of the zone and lay it where a lot of things have to go right for the opposing team to get back into their zone. So really focusing on little things like that. So I said we're having a lot of fun doing that. No, absolutely. And uh, hey, do you, do you ever do you show them any uh, the tricks of the trade? Say tied, show grab here, drop the gloves, show them a few things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, as he's getting older now, uh, like I said, he wasn't. I always kept a lot of my uh, fight tapes away from him, and uh, you know early age me and my wife discussed that we didn't probably didn't think it was appropriate for him for him to see some of the stuff but now as he gets older and like we all know and all the kids and the technology he has access to youtube and of course he knows uh you know some of the friends and still some of the ex-players i get around so he's able to search up these guys and 
it is what it is now. So now he sees it. So now he has lots of questions and he has questions for myself and questions for these guys. And, and he, he, he's getting a lot of good feedback from some of the, you know, some of the former players as well. Not so much on the fighting side, the way the game is, but just, like I said, just different ways on forechecking and just being an aggressor out there and just really things that all the, a lot of the enforcers that I played with, they also, you know, were great forecheckers and, you know, tough guys that, you know, that also had to play a little hockey. So he's, he's getting lots of good knowledge and he searches up stuff now and he's, he's seen, uh, the, the, the crazy tape, the, the 94 brawl there. So now he's, uh, lots of questions about that laugh and he's showing all his buddies now. So now all his friends are coming over and I'm getting lots of <laughs> questions on all that. So we're having lots of good laughs with him. Well, I can guarantee he's he's got the phone out on the old on, out at school there, and he's showing them the brawl, and he's like, "See, I told you, my dad really can kick your dad's ass." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like I said, yeah, he's he, he's having lots of fun with it now, and and and, and I said the big the big the big message that uh, I, I tell him and, and some of his other buddies, and and I would like to say, you know, if you've been mentioned to any of the any of the any of your listeners that have kids in hockey is like. Be proud of your, your your sons or daughters that are in the game, and whatever level they get to, the, the takeaway is, is is the character piece, right? Is just having some structure in their life. You know, it's it it, it's, it sets them up later in uh, in life for careers, right? They're going to be able to go out and get good jobs, and they're going to have all these great stories to, to share, right? It just there's so many good things that you can take away from the game, and like I said, you can choose to walk away whenever you do, or like I said, my like I told my son, we're gonna I'm gonna support him as and as long as he he wants, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll go we'll go chase his dream now, right? So now he's he's got to figure things out on his own. So we, we can't just sit here and hold you know our kids' hands. They, they gotta they got they gotta tough a few things out, like you know, like I did, right? I went through a lot of uh, yep. you know, injuries, uh, you know, uh, the loss of a loved one, and you know that's stuff that you know I don't wish it on anyone, but. When those things, a little bit of adversity shows up in someone's life, they have to uh, figure some stuff out on their own, and it's going to make them a, a, you know, they're going to make all these 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 sons or daughters better people down the road here. I agree. No, absolutely, and uh, yeah, just uh, you know, kind of with your point, yeah, it's. Uh, I think uh, you know, being uh, as I'm married to an educator, and I was raised as my mom was an educator. Um, yeah, I, I know they've always sort of said, um, it always seemed like the kids, for the most part, uh, the kids that were involved in things, whether it be sports or dance or whatever it may be, whatever some after school thing or whatever they're involved in, they always seem to be more uh, a lot more socially adjusted. Um, than the kids that were just, you know, went home and played video games in the basement by themselves. Um, you know, it, uh, yeah. And I, I, I think just, uh, and just a number of things, like you said, how to deal with situations, um, you know, how to, how to handle losing. That's always the big thing to me. I mean, it, you know, yeah, winning is great and everything, but I think you lose, you, you learn more from losing, I think, but you know, sometimes and, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with losing. I mean, uh, and what you learn from it, and uh, and like you said, just being involved in the team. Like, like I said, all my friends in my life that I've made were through through athletics, and uh, you know, and uh, no, definitely. And I think uh, it's definitely uh, um, it helps with their development as uh, as getting into adulthood and uh, how to deal with the stresses of of life. 
I think sports teaches a lot of uh, a lot of that. Definitely. No, absolutely, and 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 enjoy the journey along the way. Like every yep. life's a journey, the sports is a journey. It's all it's all a journey, and and this be a good teammate. Be a good teammate because you know what? When you're older in life, you're going to be a good coworker, and that's yep. what's most important. That's what being a good teammate means. And also, you can you know you, you hear it now even in the workplace. I hear it at my workplace. Being a good teammate, right? And just I think all the way back to my childhood now of. That's what that meant to being a good teammate. Because now, later on in life, you know, on my job site, it's I'm a, I'm a good teammate to uh, to the guys I work with and, and and the crew that I'm involved with. No, absolutely, I fully agree. And uh, yeah, and like I said, you can definitely tell those that uh, that have gone through it. And uh, well, here we are. And uh, I mean, we we went through this two hours of the story of Mike Haley. I think. Um, it was really good, and I think people are really going to enjoy it. I had a lot of fun talking with you, and once again, I'd like to thank Graffer for uh, for uh, uh, creating this, actually, for giving me uh, uh, your phone number, and uh, and for you for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it, and it was it's been a lot of fun to sit down and talk to you. No, and I I, I really appreciate the opportunity because, like I said, this has been a, a great experience for me as well. Um, you know, as years go by, and. I just I I was honored that you wanted to get a hold of me and hear the hear, hear my story and uh, and then uh, my journey and my can and then uh, the the journey that we're continuing on with uh, with my son in hockey and and it's it's that's awesome so I appreciate it. No, absolutely, and uh, no, I wish uh, no you uh, Team Haley. I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a supporter of Team Haley. Well, it'll be interesting to see how where where his journey takes him and. Uh, and uh, and all that but uh no man again uh thank you very much for coming on and uh no it was it was a lot of fun thank you uh same to you and merry christmas and you people that don't like fighting how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on